BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Now part of the ChairShot Radio Network on TheChairShot.com. Remember... Always use your head. All right, everybody. It is Wednesday night, June 8th, 2022. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. As always, I am your host, DJ. I want to thank you all for coming back and welcome you back to the show. Uh, Going to go around the room. we got four of us holding down the fort tonight. First, back from taking a week off with COVID, Jason. Jason, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing well, my friends. <clears throat> Thank you very much for uh, everyone, especially Nicole holding it down last week. You guys did wonderfully. Uh, Nicole's going to take my job, I'm sure. Any day now, uh, she's going to genetic me right through a barbershop window. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. Nah, I don't think that's going to happen, buddy. But yes, absolutely. Thank you to Nicole for for holding down the fort last night or last week. That was awesome. And uh, now she'll she'll always be welcome in the fourth chair. But you know, Jason, she's not putting you through a barbershop window anytime soon. No. Well, I appreciate it, fellas. And as always, from the Rob the Genius podcast, the Minister of Truth, Rob, how you doing tonight, sir? All right, hanging in there. And uh, so my kids have gotten finally gotten over the uh, COVID because they had it. Uh, my son tested positive last Monday, and then he gave it to my to my daughter, and she had it worse than she ended up having it worse than he did. But they're all they're good to go now, and we will have them back in school. Awesome! <laughs> yeah, that's that's always good when you can get them back in school. Oh yeah. And rounding out the fourth chair tonight, a gentleman who's been with us a couple times in the past has not been with us in a few months. I want to welcome back Jace to the show. Jace, how you doing? I'm doing excellent. It's good to see and uh, hear from you all. You all again, you're right. It has been a long time. Uh, glad you all are all on the up and up. You know, Jason, Rob, both y'all and your families and Deed, you, uh, you battled it to yourself. So I'm glad, glad to hear y'all are doing well. And it's, I'm excited to be seeing y'all again. Yeah. It's awesome to have you on here, man. We had some great chats in the past and just, you know, I know everybody it's, it's hard locking down work schedules. Uh, that seems to be the problem with a lot of people. We try to get on here for, for co-hosts. Um, we've had Brooklyn Ike on here in the past. Been trying to get Ike on here for a while, but his work schedule is crazy. Jace's work schedule is crazy. So, you know, we're just fortunate and thankful to have you on here tonight. I've been trying to lock this in for a couple of weeks here with you. Absolutely, man. I'm ready to rock. Awesome. So before we get into uh, tonight's stuff, I want to – Jason, can we talk – I got into a thread, okay. a thread with your wife and a couple people about jeans Uh-oh. yesterday. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to pull up the original. I'm going to pull up the original tweet that your wife quote tweeted and tagged you in. The tweet was, "How do people chill at home wearing jeans?" I literally cannot think of anything worse. And your wife, she tags you. She says, "Oh, look, it's Jedi Fett, which is your your Twitter your Twitter at." And then I, I commented back. I'm like, I cannot just sit around the house in jeans. So let's start here. For start, obviously, Jason, we got the answer to this. Rob, are you a jeans guy just in general? I'm wearing jeans right now. You're wearing jeans right now. Okay. <laughs> Jace, uh, how about you? <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely not. Only when I need to. I'm a, I'm a very comfort guy. Like, if I'm at, like with work, it's like thin golf shorts you know that are breathable and, and stuff like that even in even in the winter when here when it's like single digit degrees and stuff like that it's like ah i'll deal with it from the door to the car other than that uh but no if i come home and i've got on like jeans or pants or something like that as soon as i get in the door i'm switching switching and changing clothes immediately see that's me i live literally in like some type of sweat pant when i'm at home like these are like flannel like sleep pants that tita made for me and I've probably got like three or four pairs of those at home. If I'm not going anywhere, like I, the jeans come off, man. I just, again, I'm like you, it's got to be about comfort. Now I do wear jeans outside of the house and primarily that's all I wear. And in the summer I'll wear jean shorts. But when I come home, I strip those suckers off. Dude, so, if it's, if it's a Sunday, if it's a Sunday where we have nothing to do, we are not leaving the house. I will get up. Maybe take a shower, maybe not, and I will put on jeans and like a nice t-shirt. That's insane to me. It's like crazy. that's, yeah. that's <laughs> literally it drives, insane. It my wife crazy. <laughs> I, I I tell you what, man. If some shit ever goes down on my down days, like a Saturday or Sunday, like you know, if we ever have like a, I don't know a fire alarm or an actual zombie apocalypse, I'm screwed because if I'm going to get up and go get changed, if I have to get up and go get changed, I'm going to be the first one to die. Because I ain't leaving the house without jeans, but I ain't sitting around my house in jeans. It's just not happening. Yeah. See, well, I, I just, my, uh, I, I'm just I comfortable. Say my, brother, my, my brother, he doesn't ever not wear, like, pants or jeans. So here, when it'll be, like, heat index of, like, 106, doesn't wear shorts outside. Always well, jeans or pants. Well, that's, wow. That's that crazy. I'm like, you're insane. Yeah. No, now, see, he'll... He'll be around the house in basketball shorts, but as soon as he like, even if he needs to run to the corner gas station for a pack of cigarettes or something, it's on jeans. Won't even just get in in the shorts. It's like, bro, you're. It's how are you not dying right now? That's crazy. Oh, dude. If if we have a day where we're walking down the Plymouth waterfront or the Boston Seaport or whatever, and it's you know 95 degrees and 100 100 million percent humidity, I'm wearing jeans. That oh. is insane. My God. Oh. Okay. It's just something about being dressed, and I'm I'm comfortable. I can't wear. I do not like wearing shorts, or it's not even like a skinny. I, I do have skinny legs, but I don't really don't care. Like I'll wear a bathing suit or whatever, no problem. It's yeah. just I don't know if I'm out in public. I'm always just like uh, pants, jeans. <laughs> so. I've got denim shorts that I'll wear. And this weekend, uh, Saturday, we had a really bad uh, tropical storm coming off the West Coast, and we got a lot of wind and rain here. And I, I was so pissed because it's my day off. I'm in my – I'm in, you know, a, a different version of what I'm wearing right now. And I've got my PlayStation controller, and I'm playing my games, and my phone starts ringing. And it's one of the girls from the office. Um, 
calling me to let me know that our building maintenance guy is at our office. The roof is leaking, the ceiling's leaking, there's water inside the building, and the a lot of the equipment is in danger of being of being damaged. Uh, what do I need to do? We can't get a hold of the administrator. I'm like, guess that means I'm coming in. So oh, ended up throwing an, throwing on uh, some denim shorts that I have. And by the time I got home, I was so pissed off at it all. I'm like, you know what? I'm not changing again. And I just stayed in them. And that's probably the the most I've been in shorts or any type of jeans or denim at home since I couldn't tell you when. Because me, uh, okay. Because if I have a comfortable pair of jeans, which I do right now, then I have no problem wearing them in the house. Yeah. And it's no big deal. Uh, and then also, like the way my house is. Uh, the basement can still get colder even when you know during the summer months even mm-hmm. so you know at any given day i might need to just have some pants down there so i'm just kind of used to it but i mean as long as they're comfortable like now it's because you know i you know once they've been broken in and all that and they're comfortable to wear to me it's really no big deal yeah. um now I have no problem wearing shorts. I don't, you know, and going to the store or whatever. I don't care. Um, it's just to me, as long as as long as what, what as long as what I got on is comfortable, it doesn't matter to me. So wearing jeans is not really that big of a deal. Okay, so we're about. I think we're about fifty fifty on this subject. Jason and I are coming out of the jeans, and you know, Rob and Jason are staying in them. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, we didn't come here tonight to talk to you guys about jeans or comfort or anything like that. Uh, we're here to talk wrestling. This is a wrestling podcast. That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to start with uh, a little bit of in-your-house talk. Uh, first off, right? and as I stumble over my words because I'm terrible at this podcasting thing, I'm uh, going to start off with some in-your-house talk. And I'm uh, going to start off with Jace. Just in general, what did you think of the show? No. Solid. Okay. All, all around. Uh, everyone, they've done a good job of making everyone uh, yeah. like be – like just great performers all around, whether it's, they, they don't have any kind of like lulls where there's no people you don't care about at all. But I will say though, that I think my only concern or I guess gripe with NXT and their big shows like that is as it stands right now, they don't really feel, uh, they don't feel there's not that much drama. If that makes sense. Like <clears throat> it doesn't seem to be a lot of like, no one really expected Braun Breaker to lose. I think everyone expected Carmelo Hayes to win. I don't think anyone really expected Mandy Rose to lose. Uh, the tag title match was great, and those Creed brothers, man, there's there's something else. They're they're on another level, uh, and that one was awesome. Uh, they're just it's so solid top to bottom. I just I just would like to see a little bit more um, kind of deep storytelling drama to kind of get me invested in, you know. Uh, what's going to happen, uh, what the results are going to be. Because as of right now, it's like I love watching the shows, but I don't necessarily have that much emotional investment in like, the results. Like whoever wins, wins, and, and it's all uh, – it ends pretty much there. Okay. Jason, what about you? Overall thoughts of the show? Uh, I enjoyed it. I think NXT is like the perfect level of what I, what I want um, because honestly – I like it for the same reasons that Jace, you know, wants something to change. Um, it's just straight up, this guy's fighting that guy. I feel like I'm watching like Saturday night, a uh, Saturday night show, you know, like we used to. Yeah. Um, just this night guy night versus event. that guy, and it wasn't. It's <clears throat> not overly complex storytelling or anything like that. It's just grudge matches, 
and a lot <laughs> lot more fun stuff like you had the uh santos and um and oh my gosh uh d'angelo you know their yeah. mob yeah. mob warfare deal um, i just like that because it nails the as i always talk about wrestling is it is the most children's variety show um that you get on on in wrestling right now so that's why i like it okay rob what about you general thoughts about the show I thought it was a good show. One thing I did like is that everybody, there are no people on that show who were just great wrestler guy or great wrestler girl. Um, that was the, you know, and we've talked about that with the black and gold before that they had, you know, often had too many of those people. Right. Um, nobody on the show Saturday fit, you know, fell into that category. Um, and because now uh, we were talking about Wendy Chu in the Discord. Um, at one time, she was Karen Q in Ring of Honor, and she was the epitome of great wrestler gal. And and look, you can look up her stuff on YouTube, Karen Q, Ring of Honor, and you can see some of her matches there. She's very good in, as an in-ring worker, but that is literally all that she was. And so for me to see her do this, this Wendy Chu thing is just astonishing. And because I had never imagined, you know, what, three, four years ago when I saw her Ring of Honor, that she would pull this kind of thing off. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's credit to her for committing and for doing it. And, you know, credit for the creative folks for coming up with this. And so out of all the people there, I'm, I'm happiest for her. Because just to see her be able to do that and not get kind of lost in the, you know, just lost in the shuffle there. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty much on, on board with all of you. I agree. I do agree with you, Jace. Um, while there were definitely some feuds going in there and some basic storytelling, like the Creed brothers had to win or they were out of diamond mine. Wendy Chu has been a thorn in Toxic Attraction's side for a few weeks now. You know, we've had the gang warfare between Tony D'Angelo and Santos Escobar. So there were little things going in there, but I didn't feel like this emotional tension going into it. Like I knew there were going to be good matches and I, th I thought some of the, uh, the interactions were like, I love that last little vignette on the yacht with Tony D'Angelo and uh, Santos Escobar and the whole group there and everything. I thought that was a, I just thought that was a fun, fun little vignette, but all in all, I thought the show was solid. I, and I think there's a conversation to be had about Wendy Chu. Um, because, like Rob was saying, she went from great wrestler girl, which is fine, to not only being great wrestler girl, which she showed on Saturday night that she's still that girl, but mixing in the, the, the finding the character to go along with it has been amazing. And for those fun police out there that are dumping on her and dumping on that character, like, just go touch a cold wall, please. Like, the, the Wendy Chu character is fun. I don't know what she calls that little thing. Was it the 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 the, the good night elbow drop or some shit like that? The little thing that she does. Oh yeah. I I pop every time she does that. She is so. They used the word whimsical on the pay per view, which I thought was like nobody uses the word whimsical anymore. That had to be a Vince McMahonism, but oh, yeah. it's absolutely it's absolutely correct. And she is. It's just fun, and that's what pro wrestling yeah. is supposed to be: is fun, right. and. That being said, along in that match, we need to have a serious discussion about um, – <clears throat> God, their name just fell right out of my head. 
the damn NXT Women's Champion. Mandy Rose. Oh, Mandy Rose. Jesus, my God. It's been that bad of a week yeah. already. Yeah, Mandy Rose. We've talked about her on this show before, how she, you know, Rob described her as somebody who's not really a, a beyond a five-minute wrestler. I think we can change that tune now, Rob. I, I think she she's become much more comfortable in the ring, much more solid of a worker. Um, now, is she, you know, top five, top ten work rate in WWE? Probably not. But she's damn solid in the ring, and she looked good Saturday night. Yeah, well, I would say I think w- what they've done is, whether it's Sean or whoever is laying out her matches, mm-hmm. they don't hang her out to dry. Because this is what happened, just because... Um, cause she is doing a lot better in the ring and now what I've noticed, but cause when, when, before, when she was on the main roster, they hung her out to dry and they put her, I remember one day they put her in a match with Naomi on TV. They put her in one with Oscar on TV and they just, and they put her all oh, the one she had Oscar on one of the pay-per-views was just bad. Yeah. And again, they, they, they hung her out to dry and they left her out there for 10 or 15 minutes. And that's not what she does. Um, here, what they've been doing with her in NXT is like, because there's always like some point in her match where there's some type of run in or something going on. Like this Saturday, they had the big spot where she ripped up the pillow and that ate up a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um. So I think what they're just doing, they're 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 sticking with her strengths and they're just running with that and they're not trying to make her be something that she isn't. Right. Um. And I think so. As a result, what she gets to do now is a lot better. Um, so credit to, once again, credit to Sean, because I mean, he, I mean, he's not laying out all the matches, but he has a hand in all of this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, credit to him and for not trying to keep trying to, you know, fit a square peg into a round hole with her and, and it's really worked really well. And look, this time, you know, they didn't have any run-ins this time. So there is, you can make a, you can definitely say there's a step from, now they did have a little spot there, but that match was just her and Wendy, right? Yeah. Because in all of her other matches, there was somebody was running in and taking up some time, so there were no run-ins this time. So yeah. You look, so you can definitely look at that as that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think they've been slowly building her to longer matches, and again, like you said, protecting her in certain ways, but also giving her more time out in the ring as a result of that. How long did this one go? Uh, this one went. Let's see. Okay. Uh, all right. So this one, this time, this one went eleven minutes and eleven minutes. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's a good. And, that's a and good. that's a step because a lot of her TV defenses, a lot of her matches on TV are five or six minutes, and that was it. Yeah. Even like title matches, which yeah. the title were five or six minutes. So this is improvement, and so it's been good for her to go down there. Okay. All right. So, Jace, what was your what was your match of the night? Uh, probably the tag match. Um, I think that match was just phenomenal all around. It was nuts. Uh, so many crazy, like the the shooting star press. I've seen that video uh, so many times. You get shared over and over and over. And then I saw so many people who never uh, uh, never really talked about it before, like coming away as fans of both of those teams mm-hmm. uh, in there. No, that one was the one for me. I think those. I think the Creed brothers are gold. As long as as long as they keep doing what they're doing, I mean, they're they're intense. They're 
they have all like they all the, they have all like the in ring charisma. Like people always say, conflict conflict uh, conflate charisma with like cutting promos and stuff like that. But those dudes like in the ring, you can tell like like they they come across as like intense killer dudes, and I think that conveys a ton. So that was my favorite match. Okay, Rob, how about you? Uh, me it was the opener. Uh. And that's so, I guess as a result, I mean, I, I love the opener so much that the rest of it, the whole rest of the show was uh, kind of not the same for me. And, okay. that, and that's just that's just me. That's not a knock on anybody who was working or anything like that. But I love the opener so much. And the, the finish of the opener was uh, was just outstanding. Refresh my memory. What was the opener? Because I'm. Uh, oh, that was, that was the uh, Santo, the. Legato del Fantasma and uh, yeah, and okay, the, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, because because I mean, the the finish, I was just so taken by the finish of that match. Um, and just I mean, it was just the perfect setup and everything, and that just blew me away so much that I was just kind of, I was I was kind of stuck on that for the whole rest of the show, to be honest. Okay, all right, Jason, what about you? Uh, I just enjoyed the North American title match because I, I I thought it was a pretty foregone conclusion that uh, that excuse me Grimes is going to lose to Mello, but it still was an amazing match, um, and the whole Mello's whole entrance and his you know everything since has shown that he is you know he's going to be a player um, at least in NXT and if not beyond. Yeah. So it's uh it's it's pretty exciting to see. Okay. Yeah, for me, I, it was a two-way tie between the uh, Carmelo Hayes and Cameron Grimes match and the opener. I That was just so – the opening match was a sports entertainment match. Like, there were some great wrestling moves in there. But when you look at the finish, you look at everything they were doing, I was sports entertained. Um, and right. it was hard to top that. When I look at the North American title match, that was such a work-rate classic. It really was, and, and and I knew Cameron Grimes could go, but <clears throat> he he kept up with Carmelo Hayes, and that's saying something. So, yeah. I, like I said, I, I'd have a hard time picking between those two matches as to which one my favorite is. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Fifty. Then. Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So, anybody else? Anybody else, Scott? Anything else for uh, NXT in your house? Not really. I think I'm kind of. I think one thing I wanted to say more, kind of like elaborate on my previous point, is uh, I think with these events they do lots of times. Uh, I'd like to see them like set up what's happening going forward because like 
it, it kind of almost seems like a reset now. So now it's kind of tuning in to see what the big story is going to go forward. Right. So leave it, leaving a bit more. Well, to, they uh, did that with Braun Breaker last night. They brought out Apollo Crews, which was a bit of yeah. a surprise. Um, and Apollo, a lot of people are commenting that he dropped the, the whole gimmick, including the accent, when he came back to NXT. I like Apollo Crews. I've been rooting for Apollo Crews for a long time. And I think bringing him back down to NXT for a little bit, even if he's down there like Dolph Ziggler was, to come down there and have a little short program with Braun and then, you know, go back up to the main roster. I I like this with what they're doing with Braun because they're <coughs> mixing and matching different people to work with him so that he can pick things up. Um, I, I think Braun Breaker is a diamond in the rough. I... I still maintain they may have pulled the trigger on him too soon. Um, he's I, only, I agree with you. He, he's, he's only got, what, three dozen actual matches under his belt, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Like, he really, he really is green, and that's not an insult because the guy is he's an awesome specimen. He's physically gifted, and he obviously gets it. But I just, when I watch him in the ring and I watch the way his matches play out, and I watch different because I look for little nuances when I watch these things. I'm probably a little more critical than I should be. I can I can see the green in there, even though I see the potential. I I I know a lot of people disagree with this sentiment. Braun Breaker's best work is going to come after he goes to the main roster. Mm -hmm. That's going to be one of those things where Vince is going to take him and make something out of him. But I like that they're putting him in with like the Dolph Ziggler's. And the Bobby Roods and the Apollo Crews, because he gets to pick up little nuggets from different people. Go ahead, Rob. Okay, I'm looking at cagematch.net. He has 28 total matches. Okay, so a little over two dozen. So I was overshooting the mark. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's got 28 total matches. I don't want to insult the guy because he's really putting in the work, but it shows. And I, I feel like maybe they pulled the trigger too have too quickly on him. And I hope that somewhere down, like I said, once Vince gets a hold of him, we'll be having a whole different discussion because they'll get him on the road. He'll get to ride with some people. He'll get to talk with some people. He'll get to pick up nuggets from some of the, the people who have been there, done that. And I think he's going to be fine. But right now, as we're talking about Braun Breaker, I, I need to see more. Because, um, like... <clears throat> Cause, like, cause, you can to me, like, you can see there are little there are little points in the match where he, where you can see him kind of getting lost. Yes. And and I'm sorry, there's an emergency alert on my uh, one of my phones here. Uh -oh. All right, but anyway, okay, because we have we have thunderstorms over here, but you can see like there, there are little points in the match where you can just see him kind of get lost. And. So it's good that you know they had him go with Dolph for a little bit, and now they're gonna have him go with Apollo, and now Apollo works differently than Dolph, so that's good. So you get contrast in styles, um, and then having him go with Champa for a while was was good because Champa's a veteran. So right, they just, I think this is a good thing they're doing. They don't need to have him like you know losing and regaining the title a bunch of times. Just keep the belt on him until next year, and just give him. You know, give him a mix of NXT people like they did with Gacy, and then you know send them another main roster veteran, right? Um, and just keep doing that, so he's going to get Apollo, and 
you know, then I, mean, I don't know who they would send next, but um, but it, it just just keeps keeps sending people his way, and because yeah, I mean, he's got to get to that you know um, to that point where he's not getting kind of lost at different points during the match. And to, to give another example, like when Bianca first started, like if you really watched and paid attention. You could see that like early, very early on, there were points in the match where it was just like, okay, now we do this. Okay, now I do this. Okay, right. Now I do this. And not just, you know, go. Right. And you can kind of see that with him. Um, where it's like, okay, do this. Okay, now I'm supposed to do this. Okay, now I'm supposed to do that. Okay, next move. Okay, okay. You know, and um, so he's still like kind of, like when somebody's dancing and you can you can see them kind of counting the steps in their head. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like that with him now, still. Yeah. So he I mean, he's got he's got some work to do there. Um. So look, I because I mean because we see people on Twitter saying, well, they need to bring him up. He needs to beat Roman Reigns next year. Like, no, he does not. He is easily another two to three years away, and and I mean two to three years of main roster time. Like, not that NXT is not teaching him anything, but he just it's different on the on the main roster. Like I. I didn't dislike NXT Bianca Belair. I am in love with main roster Bianca Belair. She is so fluid and so natural in that ring now. And some of that is just that that different atmosphere, that different environment. And I fully believe that Braun Breaker is going to get there. I think he's going to be fine. And I'm definitely not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, as Jason would say. But as Rob would say, you can definitely see points in the match where he's thinking, okay, next it comes this and next comes this. And it just didn't feel like a fluid transition yet. Jace, you got any thoughts there? Yeah, I I, uh, I think a good comp for Braun for me is uh, Batista. Because, like, Batista, when he came up, you, he had the look, he had the intensity, he had all the it factor and all that type of stuff, but he was really green, and he yes. needed a lot of help. Uh, and I think Braun's that same way. You look at him, you see all his natural charisma, his look. I mean, Braun can Braun can talk too. I mean, that's that's genetics for him. That he's a Steiner, so uh, that's for sure going to happen. Um, and I think to your point, DJ, you're right. I think it's a strategy thing how they're booking him with bringing Dolph down and putting him with Champa, and now they're putting him with Apollo. So rather than him feud with a lot of the guys that are also learning in NXT. He's feuding with these veterans and they're putting him in programs with these veterans so they can teach him and he learns in the ring as he goes. And then also it helps because then it's not giving uh you're not like feeding quote unquote the NXT guys to Braun and then he beats them all and there's nothing for him to do. So um I think you're on the money with that one. I think they're giving him these people to like get him better and get him better at being a ring general so that he can call them himself as well right the i think batista is the person that comes to mind for me and batista eventually got there like he he was he was never dean malenko or nothing like that but he became a very good big man wrestler yeah i think braun will get there but like you said he's got 28 matches i mean that's gonna take a while yeah all right jason any thoughts on that on braun Uh, no i i totally agree with you guys i think he you know green is the word i would use and uh, uh Rob already used my example. It looks like he's used doing dance steps. Um, and that's okay. I mean, because the thing is, he gets a lot of the little stuff. 
about how he emotes and how he reacts to thing during, during reacts to things during matches and how he sells and stuff. He's getting a lot of this stuff that you know seems like it would be hard to get. So he's gonna be fine. It's just gonna take reps. Um, and I, yeah, I would hesitate before I put him in a truly, you know, superstar position. Right. Um, that's years down the road. But yeah, yeah he's gonna eat. For right now, could does he look like he could be the next big thing? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and keep in mind, like we said, 28 matches. 28 right. actual in-front-of-crowd matches. Like I said, it may sound like we were dogging him. We're not. I'm just saying, like except for 28 matches, he's incredible. You know, but we need – he's got to show some growth, and I just think he may have been a little too green to be shoved into that spot. Um, <clears throat> but I, interesting, I'd like to see them add him to this year's Royal Rumble. I think that'd be a fun little way to get him to get him a little bit more – Familiar with some other people and working in front of a larger crowd. Oh, yeah, I think that would have been there. Yeah, get him in there, have him have a good showing at the Rumble, and then I don't know. Brock comes out and you know tosses him into the fifth row. I think that's yeah. I think that's a reasonable I think that's a reasonable Royal Rumble ending for Braun Breaker. Yeah, sure. So, all right, let's move on to the next WWE Premium Live event. As WWE drones, we were treated to not one but two. Premium live events over the weekend. First one we just discussed, NXT in your house. The next one was Hell in a Cell. And I, I got to start off by saying we are now six months and six premium live events deep. And the there's no hype for this crowd is taking L after L after L. The, the, the rhetoric went out. We talked about it last week. There's all the people out there saying, oh, there's no hype for this one. This looks like a C-level pay-per-view, which blows my mind because how do you have a C-level pay-per-view with Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins main eventing? Like, that's your main event in Hell in the Cell. That's that's already an A-level a pay-per-view. Then you've got this same pay-per-view has AJ Styles, Edge, Rhea Ripley, Asuka, Becky Lynch, Women's champion, Bianca Belair. Like, how do you take just those eight people alone and say that this is a C-level pay-per-view when you've got eight A-listers on the goddamn card? Like, how does that even how does that even pop into your head? So once again, we're another premium live event in that apparently nobody was hyped for the WWE over-delivered on. All in all, I thought it was a solid pay-per-view. There wasn't a bad match on the card. We're going to start with Jason. And again, we're just going to start getting general general uh, feelings, and then we're going to go down and, and pick apart each match. Jason, general feelings on the whole event. It was perfect for a – I know we just got done saying it's a B-low pay-per-view, but I kind of went into this – you know, it was a – I went into this going, okay, it's a B-level pay-per-view with a bunch of – with a WrestleMania rematch that's <laughs> – we might not have ever got, you know, with Cody and Seth. Um, and, yeah, they blew away all expectations because I, I went in with zero, honestly. Um, uh, yeah, it was an awesome show. I think Cody and Seth absolutely killed it. Um, yeah, it, again, that crowd, you know, that, oh, there's no build, there's no story, there's no, you know, hype. Well, once again, they knocked it out of the park. So what are you going to do? Yeah. All right. Rob, what are your thoughts? Well, now, because like I was, 
you know, buried in my uh, spreadsheet here for the last month. <laughs> and so, um, and I said last week that there was definitely been like, there was definitely like a cooling off that we're definitely kind of in a cooling off period. Yeah. And so I think that really that did affect a lot of the energy going into this because yeah, I'm just, you know, not to get all number crunchy here, but the stuff I mean, I've been looking, you know, keeping track of this stuff all year and the traffic was down significantly after backlash. Okay. So, um, just, you know, the overall energy just was not there. You know, I guess as far as I think fans going in. And so I think that definitely, cause look, this wasn't the usual, the usual, you know, always oh, going to suck. You know, just the people that say that every time, this wasn't that, I mean, there's definitely a, lower energy level going in and like i said i think that was reflected in the traffic numbers because they were you know, they were down significantly for like right for since backlash um so that being said um again they knocked it out of the park and um you know, and uh like i said it wasn't a bad match on the card and we're you know so we're and look and to me the big i said the big surprise for me was the match I was the most down on going in was the handicap match. And whoever decided to make that a handicap match needs to be commended because putting MVP in there to kind of run interference was a big difference because we, you know, we didn't see almost in there struggling for the whole match. Right. Like, like last month at backlash. And that made a huge difference. And then also the way that Bobby came out of that match that he pulled off the win and then he went to ringside, he grabbed the guy's belt and held it up in the air. Like, yeah, yeah I'm coming for this now. Um, that was the perfect kind of ending and segue for him. Um, because now, because remember last week we were wondering, well, what the hell are they going to do with him next, right? Um, yeah. And he went out there and I guess he grabbed that dude's belt from the front row and held it up and walked around and was like, yeah, this is what we're doing. Okay. He pointed at the fence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so to me, that was perfect. Yeah. All right. Jace, overall thoughts on the show? Uh, I thought zero misses. I think there was some, like, you know, Cody and Seth were out, was outstanding. The women's triple threat match was outstanding. Uh, they were better matches than most of the other ones on the card, but all of them were very entertaining, very good. Uh, to your point, the crowd of there's no hype for this event, quote unquote, generally that crowd is the same crowd that would say, uh, you know, Roman and Charlotte are a push down our throat. And coincidentally enough, neither one of them were on this show. So they said there's no hype on the show. So no, that's funny to me. Um, <laughs> but no, everything was, everything was incredible. Like I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, enjoyed uh, every match. Uh, it's been a long time since I've actually taken time to like pay attention and watch like i'll turn it on but then like i may scroll on twitter on something mm -hmm. the past couple weeks or whatever and not be really paying attention but i watched i watched every match on this last show and i was like every match I, I enjoyed a lot i had a lot of um you know the the near falls and stuff like that had my had my heart beating faster and all that type of stuff so the adrenaline was pumping <clears> and then and then that crowd man that uh that crowd was just hot, hot. Like Chicago Bobby Lashley, was hot man. Sunday night, man. When yeah. Bobby came out, that they blew the roof off that place. And I was like, damn it, you know, Bobby had it like that, especially in Chicago, which is a notoriously, you know, probably the smarkiest town 
in America for wrestling, and they were, you know, they were eating up everything they threw out there. Yep. They could have put the gobbledygooker out there, and that place would have went nuts. Yeah, it's a, the energy of the crowd can make or break a show, man. You can have a spectacular wrestling show, and if the crowd sucks and you're watching that on TV, it will pull you right out. And yeah. the, the Chicago, kudos to you for being on fire, for hitting all the high spots, being there for the lows. It was absolutely incredible. I'm going to start off, again, in, in the keeping with the there's no hype for this, this is going to suck. Uh, I'm going to start off with Baron Corbin versus Madcap Moss. Because I'm going to tell you the word of the night was violence. Those two dudes beat the absolute dog snot out of each other. And I loved every single minute of it. And it's well past time. Well past time that the internet wrestling community give Baron Corbin his flowers. Because that dude has delivered on every single thing they have asked him to do. He has literally been smeared in dog food. And it just he bounces back and understands the assignment every single time they send him out there. And if you found yourself popping for Moss at the end of that match, you need to go on Twitter and thank Barrett Corbin for that because he's absolutely instrumental for how good a bad cap Moss has become. Yeah. And because remember um, two years ago, Riddick, you know, Riddick Moss was one of those people who was like, well, they, they didn't release him. He's still here. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, he was one of those guys not too long ago. Like, you know, in fact, when he first came out as Mad Cat Moss, everybody was like, what the hell are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. You know, people were mad that he, I think he interfered in a match and helped Corbin beat Kevin Owens. And that was the beginning of the, oh, Kevin Owens must be getting out of here movement. Uh, hmm. So we, I mean, so for him to start out like that and then to get where he is now. And again, yes, that is a testament to Baron Corbin. Now that's no knock on Moss because he's putting in the work. And I think the guy is going to be incredible, but we have got to give Baron Corbin his flowers here. Mm-hmm. Yep. For sure. Yep. Uh, Jace, any thoughts on that match? No, I, I was, I'm glad you said it because um, it's, they throw in a Corbin or a madcap Moss match on like, maybe not every premium live event, but like maybe at least every other one, right? He's thrown in there and every single time, it's good to great, but every time no one ever talks about it. So he's like an unsung hero of all these shows where uh, all of the matches are great. Uh, like the one with the street fight with Drew and Madcap, like that was nuts. You know what I mean? Yep. And yeah. no, one, no one ever expects it because everyone always says like all these boring and Madcap's corny and all this other stuff. And But when the match comes, it's, you know, five alarm fire, awesome stuff. Uh, and then to your point also about Baron Corbin, like – Madcap is crazy over because Baron Corbin helped him, and then and Baron Corbin's feuded with a lot of faces like baby faces that are crazy over. Like he feuded with Drew when Drew was coming up. Uh, he feuded with Roman back before when they were still kind of rebuilding Roman after the kind of I guess quote unquote failed face attempt when he first ran, if that's what you want to call it. But Roman right. was in a program with Corbin that you know got Roman over too. So. Um, they always and I mean, look at uh, what was it, the King of the Ring tournament, right? Like Gable, Chad Gable was doing absolutely nothing and yeah. was essentially in catering and program with Corbin, and he got crazy over as a baby face. So Corbin is a great heel because he makes you want to root for the baby face, no matter who it is. Like more, he gets baby faces over probably better than just about anybody I can think of. 
he's such a good old school heel throwback. I and mean, there's not enough of those out there. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, so many of the heels now, um, it's like, okay, why well, I, I cheat and I jump people, but when I'm not doing that, I really want you guys to like me. Yeah. <laughs> and Baron Corbin don't give a damn. Yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, but like almost every heel is like that now, it seems, except for a, a few. And he is one of the few that gives you nothing, right? He's, I'm not giving you anything to cheer for, right? Uh, and if, if, you, if you're going to cheer for it during this match, you're gonna, it's going to be because you're going to be cheering for the other guy. Yep. And that is the point. And uh, there aren't that many like him now. Because again, because and some of this is on the companies because the wrestling companies they want to sell T-shirts for everybody, right? They don't, right? And so, you know, they don't want anybody to become too much of a line crosser, or they don't want you to become too unlikable or whatever. Because you know, because they're you know they're trying to sell stuff off of everybody. But he's one of the few people that again just he sticks to being an asshole, and <laughs> and it works. You know, yeah, because like yeah. Jay said, I mean, people come out of there. Now, you know, I mean, obviously the follow-up is important, you know, once you're done with him, but he gets people to cheer for those guys. Yeah. On on the other yeah. side. Mm-hmm. Jason, you got any yeah. Jason, you got any thoughts Corp, there? Corp, I mean, nothing you guys have already said, unfortunately. Corbin, <laughs> we this podcast is no stranger to putting Corbin over. Um uh, and I think he's done it again with Madcap. I I think a lot of folks don't want to admit that they secretly enjoy the Madcap carrier, uh, character, excuse me. And he's also mm-hmm. a way better wrestler than a lot of people like to give him credit for, like Jace said. Yes. Um, so, you know, they don't like this transformation because they want to be right. And now he's just getting to become a better wrestler. And now he's getting a semi more serious character. You know, he's got the black trunks and whatnot. He'll probably keep the name just because. But I could see him taking a more serious turn. Um, so, yeah, they just don't want to admit, oh, no, that, you know, Vince McMahon knows what we want, you know, and he's going to get there. Don't worry. Yeah. But, yeah. We, it, sometimes wrestling fans need to, like, you think they haven't watched this before. Almost everybody that comes through that company is going to go through some goofy storyline period. Like, they all did, like, take Bianca Belair as Fun as her little feud with Zelina Vega was two years ago when Zelina poisoned Montez and Bianca Belair attacked her in her house, which is still a top three home invasion angle ever, ever. Like Zelina's talking and next thing you know, Bianca's just whipping that ass in her house. It was awesome. It was was also ridiculous. Yeah. So, but, but now look at her. She's you know, raw women's champion and she's on top of the, she's on top of the company. And that's, so everybody's got to go through those little silly madcap moss phases. And then if you show you can do that and you show that you can be versatile, then they're going to give you the serious stuff. And I think we're going to get there with madcap. And I think eventually Baron Corbin's going to move on to something else and, you know, he'll get the next guy over, which, you know, is a credit to him. A lot of these, uh, a lot of fans like to what Jason's point, they care more about, being right in their initial opinion than being entertained right you like, beat they, they me to it they don't want to admit madcap is great because that goes against them saying like oh he's terrible and boring and not a good wrestler it's like well no he's actually really good and really entertaining uh you just care more about being right than just letting yourself enjoy the show 
Hey, I really enjoyed that, but don't tell anybody. So let's go into real quick. And I know Rob touched on this one already. The handicap match MVP and almost versus Bobby Lashley. Uh, Yeah, much better outing uh, this time around than it was the last time. MVP being a large part of that. I'm here, especially, and we'll talk a little bit more about Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins later on. But in light of the news that came out prior to the pay-per-view about Cody Rhodes, I think this this positions uh, Bobby Lashley to go right back into that main event scene, and that was very obvious, you know, very evident that he's ready. Whatever injury he had at um, what was the uh, the Saudi pay per view this year? Was it um, uh, Crown Jewel? Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever injury he had at Crown Jewel, obviously he's moved fast from. Apparently, it wasn't as serious as they had initially feared. Because I was looking in my head, Lashley was going to be out for months. And then he was back within like six weeks and he was at WrestleMania this year. So to see Bobby Lashley look at least seemingly like he's going to get a push back into the, to the main event scene. I'm here for that. I'm absolutely here for another Bobby Lashley run. Jason, what do you think? Uh, I'm down for that. I, I, I don't think, I mean, maybe he's the guy to beat Roman. I don't know, but uh, I, I doubt it. But even still, a run of Bobby Lashley at the top? Yeah. Hell yeah. Let's do that again. Okay. Jace? Uh, man, Bobby's unreal. Like, he's he's a, he's that uh, wrestler that's, like, a superhero on TV. Like, he's just huge, hulking, like, doesn't look like it's a real human being, and he's just such a huge presence. And, like, like I said, like, he's excellent as a babyface because he doesn't have to – all he's had to do to transition from heel to babyface is just essentially, like – not be a dick like you know what i mean like he's the yeah. same guy he's just not being a dick he's like still like here come here and fight me you know he's like oh right. i'm gonna whoop your ass blah 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 he's just uh a little bit i guess quote unquote nicer or whatever but uh he, it's no change he's super entertaining his matches are awesome especially with you know big dudes he can get around you know big men slapping meat is that's his calling card for sure so I think a program for him and Roman would be awesome. They had like one match or two, or was it like the triple threat with? They they, they had a couple in um well they well they they did they did a triple threat last year, but in back in like 2018 they had a few matches against yeah, each other. But like I think a full program with Babyface Almighty Bobby Lashley and heel Tribal Chief Roman Reigns with hijinks from the Usos going on. And I mean, you could pull, you know, they kind of pull Cedric out whenever they need him in related to Bobby. So that gives another thing, another layer to it there. But yeah, like a three month program or something with Bobby and Roman would just be intense and super awesome. I'd be here for it all day long. Okay. Rob, and you kind of talked about things a little bit earlier. We're going to wrap back around the room here. What do we do with almost at this point? I mean, I, I don't, Ooh. I don't want to hate the guy because, but I just, I feel like there's, there's something missing here. Um, like right now, um, I he he's not he's not great, Kali, bad. No, because um, at least he can he can do better. He can do be, he can do offensive stuff better than great, Kali. But oh man, um. Yeah, I I think, boy, did they fool us when they had him tag team him with AJ. <laughs> they man, AJ was protecting him. What I see um, with almost is the same critique that you had with Braun Breaker, 
is that it just seems like he's okay. This is what I'm doing next. This is what I'm doing next. But the problem is he's not doing that nearly as well as Braun is. Yeah, that, no. Yeah, no. Well, and he's not doing Braun. I mean, excuse me. Almost isn't doing any of the same character work and the little things and anything like that that Braun is doing. So you kind of take one look at the other and go, oh, okay, fine. This is what you got. Right. Um, I feel like. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that dude to click with me, and he just hasn't. Yeah. Um, boy. I, I, you know, I, I've been hopeful for the guy, and I don't think you give up on him yet. But no. I think they need – he look, uh, well, it's June now, so look, he needs to go back to squashing jobbers and maybe be in a tag team with MVP or something. Um, they need to just go back to that. And because he is, he's just, he, you cannot put him in a singles match at this point. I mean, like I said, the, the two matches, the, the match with Bobby at, well, so we got three matches here. All right. The one he and Bobby did at WrestleMania was, was short to, to the point and it wasn't bad. Um, then they had one, another one at backlash was not very good. And then this one, you had MVP in there to kind of take some of the weight for him. And it was a lot better. Um, so that tells you, I think those kind of three matches tell a story in itself as far as to where he is. And so they just, um, you know, they need to, he just needs to, you know, keep him in tag team matches, keep squashing jobbers. Um, you know, because and by contrast, look, I mean, Veer is a lot better than him already. Okay. Um, and they're both kind of working the same type of gimmick as far as the in-ring work, right? Just squashing people. Yeah. But, I mean, you can see, if you you know, Veer is already, like, ahead of him. Um, so he just, yeah, I mean, you, he, he needs work. And I don't know that, at his size, it's always going to be kind of awkward anyway, at his height. Um, so, you know, I, I, yeah, I just think, you know what, um, I'm not as optimistic as I used to be. I just... Um, I'm thinking maybe, you know, he'll have a nice little, I mean, he'll have a decent enough career. He'll be around for a few years and all of that. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not seeing it for him now. Okay. Jace, you got any thoughts here? Um, kind of, I like, I like that Robbie made, or Rob, Robbie. Wow. Rob made the great, <laughs> Rob made the great Kali comp. Cause that's what I was thinking too. And I think the problem there was, like when Great Khali came in, like yeah, he was a kind of a lumbering, slow-moving oaf. But they like immediately put him over as like the un- like he beat the Undertaker for the belt and they go chopped him and stuff like that. I mean, as goofy as it looked, at least you made him come across as this big monster. Like the toothpaste is kind of out of the tube for almost like you can't just have him go destroy Roman or Cody or something like that because he's already like been beaten a couple times. He's kind of been made uh, he he doesn't have that aura that uh you know Kali came out and he you just look at him and he's terrifying and yeah the fact that he can't really work in the ring kind of takes a little bit of a backseat but with almost like you don't have that luxury to go back and hit that reset button uh so like either he needs to go away for a while and be off tv get better and then come back and then maybe get the big monster push like that uh or you know 
maybe when Shelton comes back, it's like an angle where MVP Ryu does the hurt business with those three and Shelton and almost become a tag team. Uh, and they do a little mini feud with Bobby again, even though that's going to be run into the ground totally. But like, like Rob said, he, he's got to have, he, he, we can't do, I don't think he can do singles matches for very long, especially a big angle singles match. Like maybe, you know, he crushes Dominic on a random Monday night raw or something like that. Cool, whatever, but no one's really going to care. It's not going to do anything for him in the long run. You know what I mean? Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll see. Like you said, I I don't dislike Omos, and I mean he seems like he's like the nicest guy in the world. When you see you know just stuff with him outside of WWE stuff, he just seems like a really nice guy. Seems like he's enjoying himself out there. I just I hope he I hope he figures it out. I, I really do because I I, I want to like the guy. And just right now, if you'd asked me three or four months ago, I'd have been like, yeah, I'm here for Omos and where where his trajectory is. Today, I see his trajectory being much different, and that's that kind of bothers me. That saddens me to think that. So let's move into what, if you'd asked me 30 minutes into the pay-per-view, what I thought was going to be the match of the night, the opener with the women would have been my match of the night. Uh, Asuka, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch absolutely showed out Sunday night. I was on the edge of my seat that entire match. Like, and all three of them, like there was no, like sometimes in these three, you know, in these triple threat matches, there's a weak link in there somewhere. There was no weak link. And what I really loved about this match was you kind of got the feeling that, that Oscar was there to do the favors, but man, did they make Oscar look like an absolute beast? Like she just went out there and was beating everybody's ass for all she was worth. I was so glad to see that. And, and Bianca Belair, I know on this show over the last year, year and a half, we have repeatedly sung the praises of Bianca Belair. She is a generational talent. You why? And I said this earlier in the show. She is so fluid and so natural and so believable in the ring now that she's this generation's Kurt Angle. Not only in terms of you know just how good she is in the ring, how believable she is but being one of those people who didn't come in as a fan. Like Kurt Angle admitted, he's like, I I came from an amateur background, and in the amateur world, you didn't watch that fake shit on TV. So he had a very negative idea of what pro wrestling was, even coming in the door. It, it took him actually sitting down and watching it to become a fan, and I would gather, you know, Bianca Belair has a similar trajectory. She's a, you know, a collegiate athlete, and she, you know, wasn't, focused on pro wrestling as a form of entertainment. And then she got in, did the tryout and she's become such a natural at this. Like it's hard to believe she's been doing this for less than five years or five years tops to be so damn good in the ring and good at everything, you know, not just good at performing the moves because anybody who's at least reasonably athletic can go in and do the moves. You know, it's tying everything together, the storytelling, the facial expressions, the body language, the believability, She's just she's figured it all out, man. And it's absolutely incredible. And then to be in there with Becky Lynch, who at least, if not from an athletic standpoint, from a persona standpoint, is the standard. To go in there and hang with her on all levels has been incredible. And then Oscar's just a force of nature, like not only in presentation, but in ability, in intensity. And Bianca Belair was there every step of the way. And it just, the whole match was incredible. It's, 
that's I don't even really have anything else to say about it other than that. Uh, Jace, what about you? What were your thoughts with this match? Man, uh, it blew me away. It was one of the best, I think, triple threat women's matches I've, I've ever seen. And I think I said in the Discord chat, it's high time that people start, when they start talking about best wrestlers in the entire world, male or female, Bianca Belair needs to be mentioned in that. Like you said, she's so fluid. Everything looks so natural. And then her timing. Like and it's crazy yes. in, a, in a triple threat match where things can get haywire and, and and all kinds of other things can go on. Her timing is impeccable. Like every spot she hit, every big uh, place she needed to be, she's there. Uh, she, nothing ever. You, you, when you get in these kind of car crash matches, and we've all talked about this uh, at length, but like you get those spots where people are kind of waiting around. Look, waiting for someone to do the next thing. It, it, it doesn't happen. I think it's kind of like the difference between like her and Braun, Braun Breaker, like you all were talking about. Like Braun's going through the next dance step and stuff like that. With Bianca, it, it's not that. Like everything, it, it really sucks you in and gets you going as a far, like it, it makes it, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, uh, like the believability or whatever. It just, it really sucks you in and you forget that you're watching a sports entertainment scripted show. You get immersed in it. Yeah, you immersion. Yes, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, you're you're she gets that she gets you immersed in the match so much. And like I like I like all of them in that match, but none of them are like I consider like my I'm really emotionally invested in as my favorite characters. But like the near falls in that match had me coming out of my seat and and the big spots in that match had me coming out of my seat and stuff like that. So they they all killed it. Uh it it, it was absolutely incredible. And to your point, like Becky, the character work she's doing now is the best she's ever done. Uh, I know that may, may be a controversial take. I don't know. Everyone seems to love the man character a whole lot, but I think what she's doing now is just next level type stuff. Uh, and then Bianca plays off of it so well, because Bianca is the, like the pure baby face, but she's got the, just the perfect amount of attitude to, to kind of bite back at her and it make it, it makes it work really well. And then throwing Oscar in there, it made it kind of be like, two people trying to fight a Wolverine or something like that. So she's just going in there, tear assing around. And those other two are just trying to survive and then somehow also figure out a way to win the match. It was, it was awesome. And the finish was fantastic. It was oh, so yeah. perfect. Yeah. Cause they, they were doing that the whole time. And then finally at the end, Bianca did it and won with it. So it was, it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. Part of the drama of that match was Oscar being in it because Oscar is that woman who can beat anybody on any given night. Yeah. And it'd be believable. Like, she could beat anybody, and you'd be like, okay, yeah, Oscar won. So, yeah. Jason, how about you? What yeah, were you thinking was... during this match? So the biggest thing with Oscar being involved, to me, was, okay, she could be there to eat the pin so that Becky can win and not, you know, not actually pin Bianca or whatever. She could be there to win so neither of them win and something, you know, goes goes crazy. Um but she was the definite X factor there. And there were points in that match where with the near falls and, you know, submissions locked in and things like that, all three of those girls sold it and where for a few moments I believed, oh, my God, they might win. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think going into it, it was – I thought it was my, – my money would have been on Bianca and that turned out to be the safe bet. But, uh, yeah, I uh, Jace put it perfectly, like uh, Asuka was just in there as the rabid Wolverine that just kind of, you know, mucked everything up. Um, and it was, a gr it was awesome. So much yeah. fun. Yeah. Rob, how about you? What did you think? 
Oh, well, I didn't. Okay, I didn't <clears throat> have any doubt going in who was going to win. Uh, now, I thought for a, something that was kind of thrown together in a couple of weeks, and we know the circumstances behind it. Um, I figured they were going to have a they were have a good match, but I did not think they were going to turn up like this. And I mean, to me, like Oscar really showed out here in this one because, like, she was just going rapid fire on everybody, and like. She doesn't do that very often, right? Um, yeah, because I mean, because I mean, you gotta be willing to stand there and take it. And you know, credit to Becky, she she stood there and took the whole exchange from her in that one sequence. Oh, when she got and, the backhand. Yeah. Oh and, God. And so like, <laughs> I get you know, and I give her credit the same way I gave Johnny Knoxville credit for taking the whole sequence from AJ Styles in the Royal Rumble. Yep. Um. <laughs> and so, yeah, they, I mean, they they. This is, I mean, to me, it was going in, it was kind of a foregone conclusion kind of match, um, but they turned up and they made it much better than that. So, and again, they were the best match of the night up until the main event. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move into, this is a match where this particular panel predicted this match all wrong last week. That was the U.S. Championship match with Austin Theory, now known as Theory, against Mustafa Ali, formerly known as Just Ali. Um, I'm not even going to go down that road, but we, we unanimously picked slash hoped that Ali was going to take this one, being that it was in his hometown of Chicago, being that, you know, the entire road that he's been on for the last six months, um, we really had hoped this was going to be his time. And I think I said at one point, it wouldn't surprise me because Vince once in a while likes to piss off the hometown crowd. And apparently Sunday night was the night for that. However, what a match. Like, holy crap, what a work rate match. And there was one spot in there in particular. Ali was in the corner. Theory goes up, runs up, does this springboard off the top rope, grabs Ali, and they go into like a Spanish fly. Was absolutely one of the slickest goddamn moves I've seen in a long time. Like, I don't, like I said, I don't watch a lot of stuff outside of WWE, so I'm sure there's some nerd sitting there going, oh, they did that on this show back above the Shut up. Okay, I don't want to hear it. Uh, this is the first time I'm seeing it. I thought it was cool as shit. I thought there was some really cool stuff thrown in there. Ali came up just a little bit short, but in my opinion, he had nothing to be ashamed of Sunday night. Jason, what do you think? I hope something comes of it from Ali because he did the whole, well, it doesn't matter if you get knocked down, you got to get back up. You know, we're back into that um, more simplistic hero character. So, okay, if that's what he wants to be doing, great. But um, I just want to see, I like seeing that guy on my TV screen and I just wonder how much longevity and how much you're actually going to get out of that. Um the whole never give up kind of thing. Um, yeah. If they if he expands on that, great. But right now, just looking at it, I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like he's just going to get lost in the shuffle in a couple of months again, and then who knows? Um, right. Just just because we've seen him do more and with more on his plate with retribution, and think of that what you will. The guy tried really hard, um, so it was. I don't know. I would have liked to obviously like to have seen him win. Um, <clears throat> and then now it's just a matter of what do they do next with him? Uh, and I hope it's, you know, something featured. All right. Rob, how about you? 
Um, man, I was bummed out when he lost. Um, although, I mean, we know how the hometown curse thing goes with Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stinks. Um, now, I did feel a little better because they showed that video of him, like, I think Monday they, they, they cut, like, a video of him, you know, talking to his kids before the match and then, like, and then him talking to them, you know, and then he was saying how when he went up to his daughter after the match was over and he asked her if she was okay because, you know, she saw him lose. And his daughter was like, that was the greatest thing ever. You were like Superman in there, right? And, <laughs> and so he just, you know, and he said that, you know, I forgot what exactly he said, but basically, like, you know, it was something along, basically conveying the sentiment that, you know, I get so worried about the winning and losing, but, you know, um, you know, that his daughter thought that was like the greatest thing ever seeing him go like that was, you know, the most important thing. Um, I just, you know, I know they're, 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 they're trying really hard with theory and okay. I mean, I can see like he looks the part um, and I do think he plays the part that he's playing. I do think he plays it well. But again, isn't that this is me getting buried in the spreadsheets again here? Um, um, I, I don't just don't see it really. I don't see where it's going. As far I mean, I, right now I can't see him ever getting to a point where you would actually have him win something bigger than the United States Championship. Um, to me, this is very Drew McIntyre one point ish. Um, and because Vince McMahon introduced Drew McIntyre as the chosen one, you know, on an episode of I forget what it was Raw SmackDown because I wouldn't watch it then, but yeah. he brought him out to the ring and he introduced him and said, you know, this is my guy, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre very quickly won the Intercontinental title. Drew McIntyre a few years later would get released, as we know. Yeah. Um, to me, this is this is very much a rerun of that. Um. And they're trying. I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's particularly succeeding as far as, you know, drawing interest or whatever. I think he is playing the role, fine, like I said. Um, and I do think he very well, he could be a guy that gets released and goes to the root beer company and comes back a few years later. And then he comes back a few years later and he's got it figured out. But that's kind of where I'm, that's kind of what it's looking like for me right now with theory. Um, and I mean, but Ali, I mean, I, we all have these high hopes for him. And it always seems like they just don't see it. Um, and, man, I don't know. I mean, I hope that one day that he just really gets the, the kind of the kind of unhindered chance to get out there and just, you know, and, and we just see what happens, you know? Um, yeah. And, he, you know, it just, but I, yeah, I just, I feel bad for the guy. Cause I just, it feels like this just never going to happen. And this would be, I mean, if they weren't so dead set on pushing theory, then this would have been a perfect time to, to give Ali a run with the U S title. So just like they're giving a ricochet run with the intercontinental title on SmackDown, but it just feels like they're not going to do it. And it, it just, yeah. it, it sucks. Okay. Jace, you got any thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I got a couple. Uh, first of all, I want to say I'll I will die on the hill that Retribution was awesome, and they should it would have worked had they just gone all the way with it. I will die on that hill uh, until I'm blue in the face. I'll scream about that. It was awesome. Uh, I'll die on that hill with you. They killed it before they gave it a chance. Uh, second, kind of to Rob's point, I can't really buy into theory at all. First of all, I I hate that they did the name change with him because. It's not even just a name. It's a word, right? Uh, it's not like Alexander Rusev shortening to Rusev or Apollo Crews or shortening, shortening to Apollo. It's a, a guy. You took a guy's name off and now he's a word. And it's just it's awkward to say like he comes out. It's it's theory. It's like it's just weird. I can't. That's one I probably won't ever get used to. You know? Oddly enough, it works with Riddle for whatever reason. But it doesn't work with theory. Yeah, I, I, I don't. It, maybe it's something about the word theory. I don't know what it is, but it just it's just really, really awkward. And I don't well, care for it at all. Also, doesn't doesn't that guy look like an Austin? Like every yeah. time he like smiles, that stupid punchable smile on that stupid yeah. punchable face. You're like, yeah, you're an Austin. Yeah. And it's not like yeah. Stone Cold where it's like, Austin, that's your last name. That's different. No, it's, it's like, like, oh, this is all this is little old Austin. It's like Austin Idol, who was he was a heel, right, Rob? Yeah, he was. Yes, and he was a he's a, he was a I want to punch him in the face heel. There you go. And you know what? It's probably something as stupid as well. We don't want to call him Austin because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, and they and and apparently they think fans are going to somehow confuse the two. When good lord, how could you ever do that? <laughs> it's uh, not even but, close. No, no. It and my thing with him is it's just he's generic muscly white guy number seven like there he's he's heel prototype john cena like when john cena debuted he before he was wearing jean shorts and rapping and stuff like that if you just yeah. made that guy heel that's who this guy is and it's bland and boring and i just don't i can't care about him he is an incredible athlete and does some of the craziest stuff in the ring he's awesome like dj you were saying that spot that he did with the spanish fly uh, remember, he landed on him in a mount position and went into mounted punches like immediately. Like he landed yep. on top of him. That was yeah. that was awesome. But, yeah. you know, outside of the bell ringing, like I don't I could care less if he's on TV or not. Man, I'm just not invested in him as a heel. Like he's not. I wanted to root for Ali regardless, just because I was a huge fan of his. And I thought I would have liked to have seen them do the thing like Ali wins it. Like maybe he wins it by a roll up, right? A surprise roll up something like that, and they do a rematch on Raw, and then Theory beats him clean and gets the belt back, right? Like the Kind of like they did with um, Zack Ryder at WrestleMania winning the Intercontinental title. You know, you had that feel-good moment that everyone remembers. Right. And then he loses the next day because it's not your long-term plan. But you gave the fans that memory and that moment that they all love, that, you know, they say they all love to have all the time. Yeah. So Ali finally wins a belt in Chicago. That place would have just come completely unglued. Uh, then he loses it on Raw the next night, and then it's back to business as usual theory. I would have liked to have seen that, um, and that isn't necessarily because I don't care for theory. It's mainly more about because I would love it for it for Ali. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm pretty out on theory. I, I, until something happens, I, I'm I'm not changing the channel, but I'm definitely you know scrolling Twitter and, and getting those tweets and jokes off while he's on TV. Yeah. I think with Theory, for me, he's hitting at least as much as I want to see someone punch him in the face. And pro wrestling as a as an entertainment 
type thing. It's been good guy versus bad guy. And theory is that heel that you want to see someone punch in the face and you want to see him fight. And I know what they're trying to do. They're like, it gets you so sick of Austin theory that finally when the person beats him, it's going to blow the roof off the place. I'm so sick of theory. I wanted Sunday night to be the night. And the previous week on Raw, Ali took an L. Now, mind you, he just had a match and got his ass handed to him by Tommaso Ciampa. And then Theory came in and picked the bones. Understandable loss. One would think, as a progression of the story, going into what should be Act 3, if the good guy, if the, if the baby face is going to get his comeuppance, Chicago, Sunday night at Hell in a Cell is where you do that, and we didn't get it. You know, it was like, hey, he went from one embarrassing loss on Monday night Technically, if you want to if you want to be technical about it, it's three. Even though he won the match with Ciampa by disqualification, he got his ass handed to him. Okay, mm-hmm. so he didn't exactly win, and then he immediately got his ass handed to him by Austin Theory and took an L, and then went on Sunday night to put on a spectacular match, showed a lot of heart, showed everything he's got, and then still took the L. To me, that's not a very satisfying way to wrap up a story unless you're planning on going into, unless that wasn't the third act. Now, if there's a third act with these guys and Ali eventually gets them, you know, then that makes Sunday night okay. But for me, looking at it as a, if this is how you're wrapping up the story, and I know the baby face can't always win. I get that. I understand it. I've been watching this shit long enough. But this particular scenario, especially, and maybe this is where, as a fan, we tend to blur the lines a little bit too much between, the work and the shoot, we're all rooting for Ali. We've been rooting for Ali for a long time. Six months ago, the guy wanted out of the company, and now he's back on TV. And you're like, okay, you got him back on TV. What are you going to do? Oh, he's going to lose to Austin Theory twice in a row. Like, to me, that's terrible storytelling. Like, you had this guy who wanted to leave. Like, he wanted out of the company. He wasn't happy. He was he was miserable by all accounts. You know, you have value here. We don't want to let you go. We want you to stay. But your value in him is to drop two back-to-back matches to Austin Theory. And and that's not an – Austin's an awesome athlete. Like the dude, as Jace was just saying, the dude is just a – he's a next-level athlete. And there's no denying that. I think the character work that he's doing right now will eventually evolve into something more meaningful and probably completely different than what he's doing. You remember, like you used the John Cena comparison, which was really, really good. John Cena went from what color tights is he wearing this week? And he's got a foot out the door to, okay, we found something that works for him. And, you know, it'll either go the route of John Cena or it'll go the route of Drew McIntyre, like Rob was saying, and it just won't work out this time around. He'll leave. He'll go to Root Bear Land. He'll go back to, you know, he'll maybe do a like Austin Theory would clean up in in Impact. Um, then he comes back because the guy's still young. He's like in his early twenties. Yeah. So the guy could leave for five or six years, come back, not even be thirty, and be a completely different dude. So you know, there's still that potential there. I don't see it right now. I don't hate the guy. Probably not as I'm not as down on the guy as the rest of you are, but I definitely see you know, why you guys would have the issues that you do. So here's my thing where I'm, I don't think I'm as down as the rest of you, but because I think he's perfectly fine at where he is right now. He's a mid-card villain. And yes. yeah, he's just that jock. You know, he's got the mid-card title. He's, you know, the mid-card villain. And he's just a, a 
you know, a conceited jock. Um, and that's perfectly fine for the mid card. The problem where I'm looking at it is because I'm seeing it from the super nerdy fan perspective, but also I watch the product. You're putting that dude next to Vince McMahon. So I'm not just looking at him as a as a like you know mid card guy. I'm like, okay, he's going to be moved up at some point. And right now, I just look at that. And I'm like, this dude, really? Are you sure? Um, so that's kind of where the hang up is because I know theoretically, anyway, they've told they've given me every indication that the mid card will not be this guy's ceiling. So yeah, where he's performing at a perfectly admirable mid-card level, that kind of, it's a weird juxtaposition. I, You know, that's the other thing. You go back to his age, he's still young enough. Like, I I don't see, at this point, I don't see a Randy Orton trajectory for him. Um, So I don't see him get a jettison to the main event scene in the next two to three years. He's a guy that you could leave in the main event scene and have him be that main, or that, not the main event, but the the mid-card scene, for the next five to six years, and he'll be fine. As long as he's patient, as long as he understands, hey, right now, this is your spot. And then when we get you there, then we'll move you up to the next spot, potentially. But I, I don't know. We'll see. Like like the perfect, like the, the Peck McAfee thing at WrestleMania was like the perfect thing for him. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, him as U.S. champion, like I said, eh, Kind of feels like the belt is wearing him, you know. Um, yeah, nice. Um, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, good way to put it. All but right. yeah, I, I'm just. I was. I was just bummed out because I just want them to give Ali a real chance and not undercut him. You know, two seconds after they put him on TV, you know. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the mixed tag match. This would pit the uh, Judgment Day, Edge, Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley versus uh, the team of AJ Styles, Finn Bauer, and Liv Morgan. Um, God, how do I put this? I enjoyed this one, okay? It was fine. I, it was not. It didn't blow me away. For me, this was kind of a, okay, scrolling through my – and it wasn't that I wasn't invested in the people in it. I just, I don't know. There was just something with this that just isn't connecting with me, and that sucks because I love Rhea Ripley. I love Liv Morgan. And, you know, I've always been a fan of AJ Finn. And it, we've put over Damian Priest on this on this show, you know, for months. Um, and Edge is Edge, obviously. But there's just something about this going into it. Like, I wanted to like it, especially the stuff going on with uh, Edge and, and the other, like the Judgment Day thing. Come Monday night, that got turned completely on its ear. And now, to me, it's a bit more compelling. But I, I just, for me, the transition with Edge from babyface to heel, I know a couple of weeks, and this is contradictory to something I said a few weeks ago, it's keeping him fresh. The further we got into it, the less into it I was. And I'm hoping that with what they did Monday night with Finn Bauer joining the group and then the group turning on Edge, I'm hoping we get more out of this. But after Sunday night with Judgment Day winning this thing, I, I don't see where you go with AJ or Liv Morgan. Like, this didn't help AJ or Liv Morgan at all. Um, so I'm just – and with Liv, is obviously being somebody that they, they're they trying to elevate to a, a certain point. 
AJ being AJ, um, unless this feud is going to continue, I, I don't, God, I hate to say this because I don't want this to sound like a knock on the talent, but Sunday kind of felt like a waste of time. If that makes any sense. That match, to me, felt like a waste of time. Uh, Rob, what did you think? Um, I think it was a fun match. Um, that would have been an outstanding if that was a, if that was the main event of the house show, you'd have loved it. If it was the main event on TV, you'd have loved it. It'd been great. Um, it was fun. It was perfectly fine, um, like you were saying. Um, and now the the whole Judgment Day thing. And now this, this is me again burying my head in the uh, spreadsheets here. Okay, um, they're a lot like AEW TV ratings. Okay, they do a thing, they get a big spike, and then it levels off, and it kind of stays there until they do the next thing so when aj beat up when edge beat up aj the first time he got a spike they did like 1.5 million then the rest of the way into wrestlemania it was just treading water then after night of wrestlemania priest comes out they beat up aj another spike then they go back to treading water then Rhea comes out at backlash that clip spikes then they went back to treading water so now we got another huge spike this Monday from the whole thing turning on edge and everything. And now, so the question is next Monday, will they go back to treading water? Um, and I think it's over because, you know, I know we're going to talk about Rhea and the championship stuff later, but they clearly moved Rhea off to the championship match for the pay-per-view. Um, edge, We'll probably have something with Finn, you know, right? Uh, and then at some point, maybe Beth comes back to stand with the edge against Priest and Rhea or something like that. But I think, like you said, AJ and Liv are kind of twisting in the wind here. Um, AJ in particular, because during like the main event Monday, they kind of they teased some stuff, some interactions between Liv and Alexa Bliss, which suggests to me that if they if they do this tag team tournament thing that that might be a thing mm -hmm. um they have a lot of similarities you know um but right now um if they don't do that then you know, there's no guarantee because that's just me kind of speculating right um so right now it looks like aj and liver kind of twisting in the wind because um they're not really involved in the beef anymore the beef now is between edge and finn and priest and Rhea now and they're kind of just been cut out <laughs> yeah I don't know what you do with them, and um, I don't what know. a horrible time for Christian to be working in AEW. Yeah, you know, like what an absolute yeah. horrible time. Right, because they they could really use him right now. Yeah, for this, <laughs> absolutely. And and he, in this case, he would actually he would contribute, and he wouldn't have to be. He wouldn't have been like, but you know, before, when he left, it was obvious that if he stayed, he was going to be Roman Reigns' fodder. Right? Yes, he, I mean, he was going to get murdered by the tribal ch chief. You know, on the way to WrestleMania. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, given that point, I don't, I I understand why he didn't want to stick around for that. Yeah. Uh, but we, they could really use him right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jason. Any thoughts there? What are you? What are your thoughts on the whole Judgment Day thing? Uh, <clears throat> I'm in. I like the twist of them. You know kicking AJ out or kicking Edge out of the group. I now really wonder about this group's longevity though. Um especially if 
I assume they're going to feud with Edge for a while. Maybe the concerto was a way to write him out for a little while. I don't know. But um, I think from my perspective, Priest and Rhea have been doing fine. But when they cut the, you know, really supernatural, we're trying to be spooky promos, they they sound a little corny still. And Edge kind of saves it because he sounds all natural and he sounds like a comic book supervillain. Yeah. Um, so, and I know Finn has that in him because he, he's been a heel before and he can be, you know, spooky and he can be, you know. But I just wonder if part of folks being along for the ride with Judgment Day was the fact that they were along for the ride with Edge. Um, and if you're not, if you're not, if a, an all-time, hey, we thought this guy was done forever, now he's back on doing this run, if that kind of act isn't in in Edge's spot, I wonder how much longevity this thing has. But we'll see. I hope they just switch it so that Finn is the leader. Um, and I could see... Um, I know you guys are asking what you know AJ and Liv were, were kind of twisting in the wind here. I think you could do some sort of like team swap. You know, Finn gets goes over to Judgment Day. Well, Edge goes over to AJ and Liv. Like, hey, I'm sorry, but you know, now we have a common problem. You know, help me out. That that's so, a hell of a bridge to try and rebuild. Okay. Okay. Hey, but you know what? Of all people to tell that story, it, it's Adam Edge. Adam okay. Edge could tell that story. He could. Jace, you got any thoughts about this? Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure as you all know, and anyone that knows me knows I'm the driver of the edge bandwagon, uh, have been for a long time. He's probably my all time favorite wrestler. Love everything he's ever done. I like the judgment day gimmick and story as an idea. Music's awesome. Looks awesome. Uh, it just, I think to Rob's point, I just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop for it. Like what? what is it for you have those big spikes where someone joins is okay and then they they come out and they he cuts those promos and they're he's a he's great at talking and being in, being a good actor but it's just they're almost like nonsensical it's just like what are you even saying man like what story are you telling here yeah. uh, the original thing with aj was like he wanted he wanted to wrestle aj at his best at wrestlemania and stuff like that that's an easy one cool they're two veterans that have never crossed paths and now they're getting to do it and then they kind of went into all that spooky shit, and they, they did they did the thing where AJ wrestled um, Priest, and then the light purple lights came on, and then Priest disappeared. It was like, all right, sure, what well, I guess. So it was just to me that was my definition of like overbooked. Like there was just too much going on with nothing going on. So there wasn't right. any substance. There was a whole lot of pizzazz and spice to it, but nothing really of anything you could sink your teeth into. And to Jason's point. While I like the three of them, Finn, uh, Rhea, and Priest a whole lot, I th I'm a big fan of all of them. I just don't think they have the – they don't have the pull and the star power that Edge does to really, I think, pull it off, to be honest. And I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong because it would be fun to see. But I, I think with Edge at the helm of it, it had a lot more staying power, a lot more strength without him there, especially if they keep up like the spooky type stuff because I don't really think any of them can pull that off at all. Uh, priest maybe, but he's not positioned to be kind of the leader of it. So uh, I don't know if they'll change it up a bit with Finn kind of 
being at the helm of it, and they, maybe they make it just a, a different type of heel group or whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, I am worried about the longevity of it, like Jason is too, for sure. And then maybe Edge is gone for a while, and then he comes back. I don't know what he's going to do either. So it's it's a lot of questions up in the air about it. So. All right. Did we hit everybody on that? We got everybody's words on that. Everybody's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, let's get into the main event. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins, Hell in the Cell, a match that last week we were hyping up. We had all these expectations and everything. And then early Sunday, we started to get the bad news, and it all kind of came crashing down for a minute. And it was questionable whether or not that match was even going to happen. Apparently, the story goes, uh, Seth and Cody had an altercation on Monday Night Raw. Things got physical after a fantastic promo by Seth Rollins. Like, Seth Rollins went in there and laid into Cody on everything, like, 90% of your podcasts (laughs) out there booked this promo. Like, it's everything that we've said about AEW and Cody Rhodes and stuff like that. Prior to Cody coming back at WrestleMania, Seth Rollins cut that promo. They got into a physical altercation, and at some point during that time, Cody apparently strained or pulled or slightly tore his right pectoral muscle. And then whether he was feeling it or not, decided it was a good idea to go work out. And I would assume in what was a bench press further aggravated the injury. How bad the injury is, is up for debate. I can tell you that by the time Cody got in the ring and took off his robe, it looked, and I say looked horrific. He was bruised almost the entire right pectoral into his shoulder, into his bicep, Wrapping around in the tricep was all bruised. You could see the edema in his shoulder around the top of the pectoral muscle, some edema into the shoulder and into the bicep itself. It just looked absolutely gnarly. WWE side of the story is that it was torn completely from the bone. I I don't think that was the case because at that point you would have seen the muscle rolled up. Um, It would have, and and I, I doubt he would have had a whole lot of mobility in that arm to begin with. As it was, he was limited. Um, how much of that he was selling versus how much of that was a shoot is, you know, anybody's guess. To his credit, Cody Rhodes came out and worked the match. And by God, pals, I, what what an effort. Like, and remove the injury. Like, remove your emotional con- connection to that injury and what Cody was going through. The match in and of itself was spectacular. Like, there was emotional gravitas there. You really felt like Seth is just completely unhinged. I'm going to try and kill this guy tonight. And Cody's literally out there fighting for his life, fighting for his name, fighting for his family. It's, it's Some of this may be because of the injury and, and what we knew. Anybody who's ever injured themselves athletically and then tried to grind through whatever sport you were playing probably felt every bump felt every movement, felt everything that Cody Rhodes did on Sunday night. Now, we'll debate whether or not Cody should have even been wrestling at the end of this segment, because that's a whole other road of discussion that we can go down. But just for me, this, with everything going into it, this just eked out the women's triple threat for match of the night. Uh, Jace, let's start with you. What were your first thoughts when, not only when you heard Cody got injured, but going into when you first saw what he looked like getting into the ring Sunday night? So, so uh, when I heard about the Jace, we're losing you here a little bit, buddy. Something here. 
Losing me or Jason? You. We good? Yeah, oh, I can hear you on. now. I can hear you now. Okay. Uh, I, I was thinking, like, they're going to spin this and they're not going to do it and cancel it or something like that. And then they said they kind of did the whole pre-show promo with he he's, he's injured, but he's still going to wrestle and all this other stuff. And I thought they would do something similar like they did at Crown Jewel with Bobby Lashley where, like, maybe Seth attacks him before the match or something and he beats him down and, and then they – cut it out and then like maybe someone he someone fills in for him, whatever like whatever hijinks they were going to do and then he you know they actually have the match and he has he comes out and then i thought it was pretty telling that when he took the jacket off the whole arena you heard him audibly gasp yeah and that's basically how we all were at home i was like man no way is this dude and you know you watch that whole match and it it added a layer of drama like real life drama of course uh that the match was already filled with so much drama, that extra part of it on top. And I think whether it's by design, uh, whether it's by Cody's um, carnyisms or the booking or whatever, uh, they have done an amazing job at making that guy be the like baby face of all baby faces, right? Like he, he is just everyone, everyone loves him. Everyone was even people like, you know, this podcast, a lot of us have said some not some disparaging things about Cody. <laughs> who would do that? Yeah. I think who Rob's that? exact who words were <laughs> Rob's Rob, Rob the genius, the minister of truth. His exact words were Cody is a before the bell all star, and then the bell rings, and he's just Cody Rhodes. Oh, my point though, like you know, uh, he. I thought about this the other night. I was like, you know, the guy that's dethroned Roman, I wanted it to be Big E more than anything. I was like, God, I really want it to be Big E. And then I was thinking about the other day. I was like, damn, I think it really should be Cody. And that was crazy to me because I was just like, it, it blew me away that he's done so well that that I would, I think he's the guy to do it rather than Big E at this point. And of course, Big E being hurt, throws a wrench and all that stuff. But yeah, he. <laughs> He is just something else, and I think the disconnect was the where he was. Uh, who somebody said is somebody said something about uh, with Hangman and Punk. Like Hangman is in the role. It was uh, Greg, right from Chair. Yeah, Sorry, Greg DeBarco said that you know Hangman is in the wrong company. CM Punk is in the right company. Yeah, yeah, and that was I think that was with, with, with Cody. Like in AEW, he felt so like just over the top, and he had all the pyro and all that type of stuff, and it didn't fit AEW because they were that's not them. But in WWE, like that's perfect. Like that's the presentation. He comes across as a superstar uh, that 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 he really is, and he's he's amazing. That match was amazing. Like you said, Seth is Seth is on another level. Like he, it, there's a there's a tier. Of great wrestlers, and Seth's in beyond that tier. He he is untouchable. There's there's he's as good as anyone there is alive, and maybe even ever. Like he's he's unbelievable. And him and Cody together, they make they play off each other. They make magic. Everything about it was was phenomenal. You know, it, it really is one of the most compelling uh, wrestling matches in history. Uh, at four point seven five stars. So according to Dave Meltzer, yeah, yeah. it's the most compelling. That jackass. It's Did the I most compelling, huh? Did I not call it? That's exactly what would happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. You did. Yeah. He said it's the most compelling match I've ever seen, and I think you said, "Yeah, he'll still give it less than five stars." And that's yep. exactly what happened. Like it's the most yeah. compelling match you've ever seen, but you couldn't give it 
Okada Omega stars. Like, this is why Dave has no credibility. It's the most compelling match in one of the most compelling matches in wrestling history, but it's not as good a quality as a random tag team clusterfuck match on AEW TV with Luchasaurus. Right. All right, bro. Whatever <laughs> you got to say, I guess. All right, Dave, go collect your che- go collect your check, Dave. No Take shit. your meds and collect your check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Rob, what about you? What were your thoughts here? I know you you caught the news about the same time we all did and then yeah. obviously you were watching, so First of all, okay, that, that rant I had about Cody Rhodes, that's going to wind up on, like, freezing cold takes. Okay. <laughs> Rob, is, Rob, I have that one on YouTube, guys. Yeah. We have a YouTube channel. It is the Mindless oh. Wrestling Podcast. Go listen to Rob's Cody Rhodes rant. Um, it's absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely, like, he goes on, like, this, this like, five-minute Cody Rhodes ain't shit rant. Oh, <laughs> and it's um... biting him in the ass. Three months later. Um, I don't know if you're all familiar with Freezing Cold Takes. Um, it's like a Twitter yeah, account. Where basi- yeah, where they basically just screenshot, you know, really bad predictions that people made or about stuff. <laughs> and so that, that rant I went on is probably <laughs> is a perfect candidate for that. And, well, look, and the, but the thing is, look, he made me do a 180, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that like y'all were saying, like that the presentation that he has now was in the wrong. It was wrong for AEW. Um, I just well, when I saw him doing AEW, I just thought like this guy's trying too hard. But then when he when he came out of WrestleMania, then it was like, oh no, this this shit fits. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now also, I mean. This, like I mean, he does a lot of the same stuff he ring wise that he did before, but but now he he's gotten better at timing and at punctuating it so that it so that it feels like it matters more. Cody um, figured out how to grab the crowd, yes. and that was the last piece of the puzzle that Cody Rhodes needed to put together when he left WWE six years ago. Yes, and so now here with this, um, you know, heard about the injury. And I figured that, well, it's the day of the show. So unless he just physically cannot work at all, he's going to try. And I just figured like, okay, well, they'll, they'll dial it down and, you know, maybe. And then he took a jacket off and like, I mean, did all the purple shit around. I was like, well, damn, because I didn't expect it to look like that. Right. And, but it was, it it was, it looked bad. And then as the match went on, I was coming in at, okay, dude, look, we love you, man. You don't have to do this. Right. Um, And then, you know, he kept going and he kept taking different bumps on it. And I was like, okay, this, this is, this is, I'm not liking this. And then where he turned me around, when he went under the ring and pulled out the damn bull rope, I was like, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. What a callback. (laughs) And and Rob told me, because I ended up, like Jace, I ended up watching the main event on Monday night. So I'm watching and I'm tweeting, I'm t- texting with you guys in the Discord chat. And Rob's like, oh, wait till you wait till you get to the callback spot. He's like, you'll know it when you see it. And then when I saw him strap the rope, I'm like, oh my God. And the cowbell and the whole thing. I was like, pop. <laughs> yeah, because look, if if you were a fan of his father, like me yes. and DJ were, that is the mm-hmm. ultimate callback. And the then, bull and then, rope match. Yeah, and then and then he didn't just use it as a weapon. He threw the other end over the set. It was like, pick it up, bitch. Let's go. And I mean, that was awesome. I mean, that alone makes make 
me make, make the match worth worth watching. And um, and then you know when they went through it and you know it ended and I, and then when it was over, I was like, okay, look, man, that as awesome as that was, you really did need to do that. Um, but then the next day, I felt a little better about it because you know um, a couple of people who you know are doctors and some people who know you know who kind of have some idea of how that works. They were like, look, it was already fucked. And he couldn't make it, he couldn't have made it any worse. So if he could physically get in there and go, then you know, why not? Uh, yeah. And they kept it safe because he didn't do any moves what because the, the when you're injured and you're you're doing any type of athletics injured and you have some like say you're dancing or skating or wrestling or something where you have to manipulate somebody else, there's always a fear of hurting the other person. This match was safe enough to where there was no suplexes. There were no real situations where Cody had to pick Seth up. They they protected the injury very well. Yeah. And and and, and like you said, there was no way he was going to fuck it up any worse than it was already fucked up. So as long as he didn't do anything that was going to put Seth in jeopardy, and we can pick this apart a little bit later after we're done talking, get everybody's you know feelings about the match. Um, as long as he wasn't doing anything that put Seth's health in jeopardy, let him go. You know, let him go. If he thinks now, have him sign a goddamn waiver. You know, I'm sure Vince's lawyers, I'm sure McDevitt had a whole stack of paperwork ready to go. <laughs> but yeah, man, if if he if he like I said, if you weren't going to make it any worse than it was, I have no problem with it. Yeah, and especially since I mean, basically, either you do the match and you're out for six months, or you don't do the match and you're out for six <clears> months. <throat> Might um, as well throw balls to the wall. Yeah, this wasn't a situation where skipping the match was going to speed up your recovery time. Right. Um, so, you know, with that now in hindsight, with that in mind, because at first I was like, I'm pro- I'm never going to watch this match again. This is brutal. But now, I mean, now, in, you know, with knowing what we know about that type of, you know, about the whole thing, and it, I said, I'm definitely going to watch it again. And that's probably... Um, that's probably match of the year for me right now, man. I mean, yeah, you have to just with the emotion behind it, everything going in. Yeah, it and, has and, to be. And Dave, I expected no less than four point seven five. In fact, <sighs> I would, I would have been disappointed if he said three. You know, I knew he wasn't going to give it five. We knew that, but I would have been really disappointed if he just gave it three. I needed him to go full troll here and do the four point seven five, and he did not disappoint. <laughs> he, you knew he wasn't going to give us a five. Right. You know, because because it's got WWE in the Tokyo Dome. That's a seven star match, but because it yeah. happened with the WWE logo, it's it doesn't even get five stars. Yeah, so n- never change, Dave. Never change. Now, don't ever change, Dave. Take your meds. <laughs> so let's go to the guy who is more emotionally attached to Cody Rhodes than any of us. Cody Rhodes, Stardust, Stephen Amell brought one Bucky's tag team partner, Jason. <laughs> Back into the world of professional wrestling, sports entertainment. Jason, give us your thoughts on this match, sir. Jason, you get you got to turn the mic on, Bubba. Oh. Jason, we can't hate, hear you. I hate the whole like glorifying the working through injury thing because there's there's the there's a fine line between working through injury and working through being hurt, and you know. Injuries you can work through and injuries you can't work through. Um, But all that being said, if it's all true that Cody did get advised that, yeah, you can't make it any worse. It's just going to hurt like a son of a bitch. Then 
they were literally at the finish line for his debut storyline. So, like, I get it. Just trying to push through to the end and be like, all right, now I'll take my six months off or whatever it is, and people will remember me when I come back. Um, the match itself was fantastic, and I like how they both did the uh, the Triple H nods. They were trying pedigrees. They were the fight over the sledgehammer, which you know ended up playing a part in the end. Um, and uh, it was just it was everything I wanted from the whole thing because um, I I'm mildly surprised that. I wonder if the plan was for Cody to go over before he was hurt. Um, I'm mildly surprised they gave him the sweep, even still, even as I say. It's amazing that, uh, as Jace was talking about, you got to regard him as one of the best wrestlers in the, the industry at this point, because that guy really is going to walk away from this feud, and he is going to lose zero. Do Seth? He, Seth. Yeah, absolutely. He, Seth loses nothing. And he took three, I mean, two and a half. The The second one wasn't that clean, but it was uh, tit for tat. So, <laughs> I mean, he took three pretty clean losses, and he's really just going to sashay his ass to whatever he's got next, and he's not going to lose an ounce of heat yeah. of anything. So, uh, bravo for everyone. I hope Seth, I hope Cody gets well soon, um, but... You know, because I think that I think that uh, little promo at the end of his little dream about going to Money in the Bank was just that a dream, and that got crushed by Seth Rollins. So, yeah, that um, segment see, was amazing. That was a oh, the image of Seth running from Gorilla with the hammer, Bam! like yeah. like a wily e. coyote with the sledgehammer about to pancake the Roadrunner. Like he had it over his shoulder, and it was just the silhouette of this mad running. Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was. It was great. All right, so let's talk a little bit about injuries, and I want to I want to lead off this segment by saying, you know, we've got we've got three major wrestling stars in the industry, not just WWE, with major injuries right now. Obviously, we've talked about Cody Rhodes with the torn pectoral muscle. But coming out of uh, AEW, coming out of their last pay-per-view, CM Punk, who beat Hangman Page for the AEW Heavyweight Championship, uh, has injured. And I don't really, as no surprise to anyone, I don't follow AEW. Do any of you know exactly what Punk's injury is? It is an undisclosed injury. Undisclosed injury. Okay, yes. so that that's kind of suspicious. Um, yes. And then <laughs> Daniel Bryan is apparently injured, too. Does anybody know what's going on with Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson? I'm sorry, kids. Well, he's, look, he's Daniel Bryan to me. So he'll he'll always be Daniel Bryan. Look, that's like line from Coming to America. Is mama's mama named Clay? I'm called Clay. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, the man's Clay. name is Muhammad Ali. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm gonna call him Clay. I'm gonna call him Clay. <laughs> that's all I'm about. That's all I'm about. Daniel Bryan. Okay. But Rob, his mom called him Brian Danielson. His mama can call him whatever she wants. Don't, yeah, don't, don't ruin the bit, Jason. Don't fuck up a good bit with facts. Uh. <laughs> all right, so, uh, here we go. Um, all right, so he reportedly did not suffer a concussion. That that sounds suspect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like they jump right to ruling that out. Almost guarantees that it was another concussion. All right, as we noted, it was he'll miss one to two weeks of in-ring action after he suffered 
some sort of injury. Jesus. Oh. Why, why so vague? Like, why the smoke and mirrors on this shit? God, this company. The injury was revealed when he was forced to miss a meet and greet in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Uh, signer at the signing told fans told that Daniel Danielson was uninjured, unable to fly. He would not be there, so he was injured enough that he could not fly. Okay, then. That's uh, odd. And you sure it's not a concussion? There is no official information that this is the case. <laughs> if it is a concussion, they are keeping that buried under seven layers of granite. It was noted oh, yes. that Danielson did get banged up during the brawl at Double or Nothing, and he won't be back until he is medically cleared. Um, he was got, That's like, oh, I just got my bell rung. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, like a, uh, I, I'm going to start there. I, I love Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Him leaving WWE and everybody complaining about them protecting him and looking out for him, for him to go to AEW where they are so loose with the football on all of their safety protocols, for him to get injured. I, I don't want to say... Like, injuries suck, and I feel horrible for anybody who's been injured. That includes CM Punk, regardless of how I feel about him. Brian Danielson, regardless, you know, how I feel about him. Cody Rhodes, regardless of how I feel about him. Injuries suck. You don't ever want to see anybody, one, get injured, and two, their livelihood get interrupted because they're injured. But when you make a choice to go somewhere with loose safety protocols and you leave a job where they were putting your best interests at heart – all I can say about that is that certainly is a choice, sir. Um, and and I have a hard I, I can only feel so bad to align when you make that decision. And, and you make that consciously. You make that decision to do that, and that's fine. That's it's your life, it's your income, it's your livelihood. Um, but I, I, I only have so much sympathy under those circumstances. And I maybe that may make me sound like a dick. And that's fine if it does. But you know, there's a lot of people. Jumping around, oh, WWE restricts its talent and won't let its talent do this, and WWE's the safe place. Meanwhile, you've got Matt Hardy damn near splatting his head open on the concrete. Jeff Hardy just wrestled a match that Matt admits he doesn't even remember. You know, now you've got Brian Danielson injured. You've got CM Punk injured. And injuries happen. I get it. But when the complaint for a lot of these guys is, oh, they need to get out of WWE because it's holding them back, and then they go elsewhere and they have potentially catastrophic injuries, <clears throat> who's winning here? Like, what, what exactly is the narrative? What's the spin here if you're supporting that? Like, am I looking at this wrong? Somebody, Jace, am I looking at this wrong? No, I don't think so. Uh, it It's weird because it's this thing of like, you want people to be able to do whatever they want, but at the same time, sometimes you have to protect people from themselves. And I think what you're talking about is Tony is too wanting to be one of the boys and not be a boss and telling people like, Hey, br no, bro. Like that's dangerous. You can't do that. Like you got to yeah. cool that off. Like when you've got a history of injuries and problems, why would you want to go wrestle strong style? I get it. And we said this a couple weeks ago with Brian Danielson. He definitely had an itch he wanted to scratch. Now, obviously, he felt well enough when he left WWE to go somewhere else and play. But that playtime comes at a cost, and we may be seeing the receipt from that. <clears throat> uh, it's quite possible. Um, 
And um, yeah, I mean it, it's um, because again, like I said, the Matt Hardy thing happened, and he can't, and they had him come out on TV the next Wednesday and say, no, 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 folks, I'm totally was not concussed in that match. Well, the uh, best part was his wife on Twitter was like, um, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and again, like you said, you know. Matt said Jeff doesn't even remember the match they had Sunday at the pay-per-view. Um, and then, and then of course, there was a time where the guy was, some guy got, I don't know what happened, but he was laid out in the middle of the ring, and, and they just kept working spots around him. There was some tag team match or something a couple of years ago. That was an um, AEW show. That was an episode <laughs> yes. of uh, Dynamite. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I, I mean, I hope that... Oh, I mean, we lost. Look, oh there he is. Okay, well, I mean, I hope there's no, you know, cover-up right here going on. I hope not. Um, it's just, but to me, this is just, I don't know, man. Um, it's it's not a good look at all. Um, <clears throat> and look, now I'm on, as far as with Brian, look, if he wasn't in AEW, he probably would have went to New Japan or something, and he'd be getting, you know, shoot kicked in the head, right? Um, so he he wanted to go somewhere where they weren't protecting him as much. And here we go. Um, and look, and the whole thing of injuries, I mean, it's a case-by-case basis. Um, personally, I don't want any of these folks to do anything injured. I can, please go heal. I can wait for you to come back. Yeah. If it, If it's somebody who I'm just dying to watch wrestle, you know, I can watch your matches on YouTube that you offer, that you've already had, or yeah. I can watch your matches on Peacock that you've already had. You don't need to rush back for me, and you don't and, and you don't need to work injured for me, um, at all. I would rather you not. Okay, you're you're not. <clears throat> okay, um, you know the Cody thing ended up being just the type of thing where it, in the bigger picture, it was fine because of the circumstances. Um, but that's not everybody's case. Um, we're not, cause look, some people will go in there with a partially torn ACL and then they'll tear the whole damn thing during the match or the game or whatever. Right. So when we're talking about working with injuries, you gotta look at the whole spectrum of things. I'd rather people not, um, I'd rather people go get healed up and I'll see you when you get back. That's <laughs> kind of the way I feel about it. <clears throat> Jason, you got any thoughts there? Uh, I mean, I am the same way. Uh, I appreciate that in in this regard, Cody wanted to finish up the the finish up the the program with Seth and give this story a nice bow. Um, but at the same time, I'm always apprehensive when guys are going to work with injuries. Even if you say, "Oh, we can't can't injure it, injure it anymore." Um, cause I'm always just going to think about Kevin Durant trying to gut through the NBA finals and blow and watching hit that dude's quad explode on television. Um, so, but at the end of the day, it's his call and you know, he wasn't going to hurt anybody else because he, they did wrestle pretty safely in, in that regard where Cody, Cody never really had to put anything up over his head or anything like that. Um, so all in all, yeah, it was uh, it was good, good stuff. But please, you don't gotta work injured to impress me. 
Jace, you got anything to add here, Bubba? Yeah, I think uh, Jason's point. Uh, I, th- I think the key there was Cody wasn't in charge of taking care of Seth enough to where the injury was going to be uh, really dangerous, right? Like, you know, a lot of people, of course, the that crowd on Twitter, as Rob likes to say, you people uh, yeah. <laughs> made the comparison of, of Cody working hurt, but it was okay for Kenny Omega to work hurt and all that other stuff, you know. Kenny with two bad shoulders and vertigos putting people on his shoulders for his finish. That's a little bit different than Cody not, you know, he's, he's not Seth's, Seth's health wasn't in Cody's hands as much. Like, he, like Jason says, not picking him up. Um, nothing like that. Uh, Cody's own health, you know, he couldn't hurt it any more than he already had. So if he can deal with the pain, which my God, pal, like what a man you are. Um, incredible work, but yeah, like to your to your point though, like yeah, I mean, I guess the Fed is the the safe place, but you know the people are generally more healthy, right? Like you only see these injuries every now and then. I think I think the bigger concern is like concussions and brain injuries are are the are the big danger here, right? Like somebody's gonna. You know, Bailey's tore ACL, Seth tore ACL, or somebody's gonna somebody's gonna have a soft <laughs> injury like that. But when you start talking about like brain injuries and stuff being very, very serious, uh, that's nothing to play with, man. Like you got you have to take that absolutely seriously. Well, and here's the thing that a lot of people need to understand when WWE plays it safe with the with the concussions, okay? For starters, they're a multi billion dollar injury and if anybody's gonna get sued, WWE's gonna get sued. The second part of this is there is no such thing as a mild concussion. A concussion is a brain injury. They may grade them differently, but this was one thing that I learned the last time we did our, our uh, basic life support class. This is the first thing that the guy came out and said, the EMT that was teaching the class. He's like, look, he's like, I hate the words mild concussion. He's like, there's no such thing. It is a brain injury. Okay. And with brain injuries, ask Bret Hart. Ask because when you look at the kick that gave him the concussion, it looked violent, but I've seen more violent hits in pro wrestling that didn't cause a career-ending concussion. So ask Bret Hart what a mild concussion, quote-unquote, can do for your life. It can change your life drastically. So, you know, for that, we need, we need to kill that noise right out of the gate. You know, a head injury is a head injury, and a brain injury should be taken very seriously. And if you've got a brain injury that's so bad that you can't remember the match you did, or if you've got vertigo so bad that you're not sure which end is up, you definitely do not need to be, you know, wrestling in a match where somebody else's safety is in your hands. And I love how on Twitter the uh, the body language expert, experts suddenly turned into medical experts, and everybody was com- comparing Cody Rhodes' torn pec to. Matt Hardy's concussion, Jeff Hardy not remembering a match, Kenny Omega's vertigo, all of a sudden it's all the same. Well, if Cody can do it, then why can't Kenny do it? Because Kenny was physically taking somebody else's health into his own hands. And he didn't say anything. The guy didn't say anything for months. And it's, it, like Rob was saying a couple of weeks ago, the guy, the, the list, his list of injuries read like he was in a car accident, not a wrestling match. You know, he's had to have surgeries before he can have the next surgery to even get healthy enough to get back in the ring. You know, so it's it's just it's just a weird 
place. And, and so many people look at this so differently. You could make a solid argument. Should Cody have wrestled Sunday night for his own health? Probably not. But if the doctors and if the professionals looked at him and like Rob said at the beginning of this segment, hey, you can't make it any worse than it is. And if you protect it, then go ahead and do what you got to do. And obviously he was in a lot of pain. He looked at one point like he wanted to throw up. Um, I don't know whether that was him working, him shooting, what the deal was. But yeah, we're comparing in a way apples to oranges when you're comparing head injuries to like orthopedic type injuries. And vertigo is serious enough. Like we, there was a, uh, one of the, there was a Reds player who was had vertigo and he was out for weeks. So like yeah. you can't play, you can't play baseball. You got no business lifting other humans up above your head and doing, you know, physical stunts with them. Right. You know what I mean? Well, I had a girl in my office who worked for me about a year ago who would get vertigo so bad she'd have to take time off from work. And we don't – I work in healthcare. We're not that that physical. She literally – she was a chairside scribe, and you sit there and you type in the computer, whatever the doctor whatever the doctor dictates. So there's, there's nothing overly physical about it, but it would be so bad at times she couldn't get out of bed. So, yeah, if, if, you're, if your job – requires someone else's safety being in your hands and you have vertigo, the last thing you need to be doing is coming to work. So yeah. that's just, as far as like working injured, every, a lot of people also seem to think that this is like a pro wrestling specific thing. And I can tell you a lot of pro wrestlers get up and get out of bed injured. Uh, the guy who trained me, uh, Cliff Anderson, he was telling me a story one time when we were, we were training and he was telling us about, and again, it was that trying to teach the tough love. And, you know, even if it hurts, you go in there and do it. He wrestled in England and he wrestled three days in England with a separated shoulder. He separated his shoulder the first night and went on to work three more matches after that to turn around and come home. So the, the, the level of mental illness that I think it takes to go out there and perform, and particularly with pro wrestling, it's such a drug. And I know some of that was with on Cody. It's a drug. You've got to go out there. You've come in. You've committed to this match. It's, as Jason said, the exclamation point on your feud coming in the door. Cody knows it's a moment. And this is a moment. We'll be talking about this match for the rest of our lives. And we really will. Like, as long as we all live, if we're still doing this podcast, if we got together and did a reunion podcast in 25 years, we'll talk about this match. Um, but this is, it goes beyond that. Some people are just like that. I was pulling a story that I remembered that somebody told me years ago, and I just pulled it up. Uh, the 49ers had a, uh, had a guy played for them. What the hell was his name? Ronnie Lott. Injured his pinky. And so he could go in and play the last game of the regular season. He had the tip of his pinky amputated just so that he could go and play the game. Go look it up, dude. It's it's like a real thing, and it, like I said, it popped in my head as we were sitting there talking about injuries and things like that. But yeah, he had like the tip of his pinky just because it was injured. There was some type of damage to it, so he had it lopped off just so he could go and play, play, play the rest of the season for the 49ers. It's insane. So yeah, this this type of stuff happens in all in sports across the board. A lot of these people play injured, and you never even you never even hear about it. But with Cody being it was so visceral and in your face. And like I showed Tina, like I, I, I knew what was coming because I'd seen the pictures. But when I was watching, I was like, no, you got to stand here. You got to see that. Because I told her, I gave her a heads up. He tore his pack. He, we weren't sure he was going to wrestle. And then when he took his robe off, she got visibly ill, like looking at it. So visually, it's, it's unsettling. It's unnerving. 
Um, but the reality is it, it probably hurt like a son of a bitch. It's going to keep him out for six months, but it probably looked uglier than what it truly was. So anybody got anything to add on this or? Oh, I got, I got, I got something, I got something to add. Okay. All right. Well, they just announced they're doing like a triple, like a three-way tag team match for the tag team titles. It's going to be a, a ladder match. Guess, guess who one of the teams is. The Hardys. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. You know what? If something, and I hope I'm not wishing this into the universe. Let me make this perfectly clear. I want Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy to live to be perfectly healthy old men. But if something bad happens to one of these two guys, there are a whole lot of people on the internet that are going to look real stupid for applauding Jeff Hardy for the way he left WWE. Go ahead, Rob. I'm sorry. That's it. No, just that. I mean, that came across the timeline. They're, they're doing some triple threat ladder match for the tag team titles. And I don't want to see it. I I have no, no, hell no. I mean, no interest, no interest. No, we're we're talking Muhammad Ali against, um, what the hell was that? The Larry Holmes. We're talking about that territory now where that was just sad. Yeah. Um, I'm showing my age here, but basically Muhammad Ali was well past his prime and he was in there. Larry Holmes and Larry Holmes, like it, it hurt his feelings to have to beat up on him like that, you know, and, and, it, you know, cause it, yeah. And you don't want to see that. You don't, I mean, this is, I mean, good grief. Yeah. <clears throat> They're getting into, uh, uh, Randy, the Ram from the wrestler territory. They are like, oh, but you got to stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. At some point you got to realize when your body's had enough and, and WWE tried to tell Matt before he left, Said, look, this is your role now. This is where you need to be. And Matt didn't accept it. And again, it's one of those things where if you're so stubborn that you think you can still do it and something bad happens, as a human, I'm going to feel bad. But I'm only going to feel so bad because you made a conscious choice. Someone tried to be the voice of reason. Someone tried to protect you. Someone tried to tell you, hey, look, that time has passed. This is your time now. And you didn't listen. So you're only going to get so much from me, aside from just general human human sympathy for somebody getting hurt, which I hope to God doesn't happen. Yeah, and that's that's just just bad. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So we had one more little piece of business that we wanted to get into. We're a little over two hours. Do we want to go into that tonight, or do we want to save that until next week? Uh, I forgot what is it. (laughs) It was uh, this whole sentiment that uh, people seem to think that Rhea Ripley needs to be the one to upset Bianca Belair, and she needs to do it now. Um, you want to do that now, or you want to save that till next week? Uh, we can probably save that because we got we got a few weeks before the before the actual match happens to talk about that. So okay, yeah, let's let's put a pin in that, and we'll come back to that next week. And unless anybody has anything else to add tonight, I think we can call the go home spot. No, we're good. No, everybody good? All right, I'm good with so. it. I'm good with it. I uh, want to thank my roundtable panel of experts here. First, Jace, sir, awesome show tonight. Thank you for showing up. I'm glad we could get you on here. Hey, guys, thanks for having me back. Uh, I missed all you guys. It's been a while. I've missed talking talking graps with you all. Glad to see you all here. Glad you all healthy, for sure. And uh, it's been a good one. We'll do it again sooner this time. Won't have as much of a break. 
Absolutely. We'll try and work that schedule out a little bit and have you on here a little bit more uh, routinely. Uh, and back back from the COVID, Bucky's tag team partner, Jason. Jason, sir, awesome night tonight. Awesome night. This is a lot of fun, as always. All right. You enjoy your blue jeans. We'll see you next <laughs> week, sir. <laughs> and last but absolutely never least, the Minister of Truth, the Deacon of Data, the Father of Facts and Figures from the Rob the Genius podcast. Rob, good night tonight, sir. A good night, and look forward to talking about that uh, Raw Women's title match last week. Because we know who won the last time Rhea Ripley wasn't in the Raw Women's oh title match. Oh, my God. He snuck it in. I thought we were going to make it. I thought we were going to make it. I snuck it in. Damn it. Again, 2.999 kick out. It's a Roman kick out. Oh, it was absolutely a Roman kick out, man. Man, he got me again. Like, legit, he got me again. I thought we were going to make it. We were right there at the finish line, and Rob, oh, once nice. again, grabbed you by the scruff of your neck and yanked <laughs> you back. <laughs> evil, evil, sir. <laughs> All right. For those of you that listen to us and think we're absolutely horrible, let me give you some fatherly advice. Go outside. I want you to go outside. You don't have to stop listening. Go outside. Take your phone. Take your tablet. Whatever you're listening to us on, go outside. I want you to find the greenest past patch of grass that you can find. I want you to take your hand. No, no, take the other one, because if you got a grass allergy, it may come back to haunt you later. Put your hand on that grass. Touch it. Touch it. Touch it. And we'll see you next week. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want. But call it in the ring. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, DJ, and we are out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.